In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 382. That's right. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. It's the day after, but happy Thanksgiving. Well, uh, uh, assuming we <laughs> we live long enough to see this episode come to light, it's the day after. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, my microphone moved. Okay, I think I'm back. Yes. All right. Uh, so we told you guys a while back that we were doing a Q&A episode and that you could ask us anything you wanted to ask us, uh, but the entire length of the episode was determined solely by you. So if we got one question, guess what? You were going to get a five-minute episode. Uh, but we got a bunch of questions, actually. So um, we're just going to – So there will be a ten-minute episode. <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to jump right into it. You know, I'm going to say right off the bat, a couple of these questions seemed like – they required some research, and only one of them I sort of did some prep for. I was thinking, like, you know what? It's, I kind of, you know, I, I owe it to somebody to, like, you know, be able to answer every question, and I should catch up on blank comic or blank comic that they're asking about so that I can, you know, promptly answer it. But then I was just like, you know what? Like, the the point of these is, is some of these comics is that I read them at my own pace. So I was just like, you know what? Like, I, will I answer the question to the best of my ability? Sure. But if I don't have the context for it, I didn't go out of my way yet to find it, but I will eventually answer it. We'll, we'll get there, I'm sure. But uh, how did you feel about uh, some of the questions, just generally speaking, when we got all these questions? I would agree. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. There's, there's some of these questions that I'm going to have to – it's not even necessarily research – well, it's research from the perspective that I may, that I may be unaware with the tie-in prop to the property that's being referred to. That my so I'm so some of, on that level with some of those questions, I'm going to just have to do what I can with those. I kind of I wanted to take the approach, and I didn't. And there's an asterisk because I did I did see the email question, so I knew about about you know Dan's yeah some some joker named Kursky's questions, which we'll get to. Uh, and things like that, but a lot. I want. I kind of wanted to go in for the most part, not having a knowing every single thing we were going to be dealing with. I know that it kind of oh, potentially could be problematic if there were a lot of detail oriented, like you said, something that you would actually have to give a great deal of thought to. But I thought. But I. I but. But I also know you wouldn't do it that way. So I figured. But so I figured a nice uh, contradiction or a balancing act, <laughs> a yin and yang approach, wouldn't hurt either. But, but just skimming through some of the questions tonight in the master list, which is the first time I've seen a bunch of these, uh, I think it should make for certainly for, for interesting discussion, even with some of the common threads that some of these questions have. 
For sure. I was I was thinking that we would like hop around from person to person, but I don't know if that does us any good and it might just confuse things. So maybe we should just take it start to finish, huh? That's probably the best way because again, some of these some of some of the questions are are duplicated throughout uh this list of ours, so we might as well if we if we deal with it once and then we you know obviously when we get to the another person who asked about it you, you already have your answer at this point so we don't have to so all right so so you want to yeah. start with the very first one yeah go for it man so we're just gonna so how are we gonna do this just say the name of the person or not even be sure uh, we should for, we? for 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 twitter let's do uh, for, well for twitter and facebook uh, first name and uh, well, Twitter. Twitter. Uh, let's do first name and their at. Okay. And then for Facebook, just first name, and then yeah, email's fine because yeah. All right. So I'm assuming the first batch for Twitter, right? Yeah. So yeah, the first batch. Anything that says at is is Twitter. Well, that's what I figured, but I'm I'm trying. I couldn't didn't see where the fa- oh oh great. You did have the Facebook stuff. All right. Okay, Doc, now I get it, get it, get it. Okay. Uh, obviously, this first stuff I knew was Twitter. It just didn't say Twitter. But, okay, so Daxton at, at BatBlazer, which is – this is the most – probably the most common question, even though Dan's questions are more a little more specific about this. What is your take on Far Sector? And, of course, some of these questions were submitted before we actually did our review of Far Sector. Number one, uh, all we can say – all I can say – probably – Technically, both of us, but I'm only speaking for me. So, with one issue in Far Sector is interesting. It's not as again much like the Mars and number one issue. It's not as bad as I feared it could be. Not that I necessarily thought it was going to be that bad, but it's certainly not on this. Have you ever going to come up with your worst fears based on the premise of, of of a book? How it could be, you know, this is nowhere near that. It's interesting. The, they did a good job at, at world building. We did kind of specifically, from my perspective, talk about how I think they're getting a, being a tad elaborate with the names, and I think that's gonna that's a lot of words to roll off your tongue when you're just referencing characters and that you're going to assume you're going to be referencing back and forth for the next eleven issues after the eleven more issues. I like it. I think the jury is still out. As we'll delve into, the, we'll talk more about this when we get into Dan's some of Dan's questions. Uh, what how what this really means as far as how much of a Green Lantern book this really is, uh, that's going to be another story. I think that that could change a lot. I think of I know at least for me, from my perception and my uh, my overall feelings towards this book, that might change as as Joe's ties to the Green Lantern Corps. How much of a core member is she, or isn't she really? Uh, I think that might go a long way towards my overall view of this of of this series this 12 issue series so that's i I like it i like the writing i like the art i like where they're going with it so far um i mean i don't know what we can say beyond this the more specific questions we get later on plus what we've already put out in the in the episode um so yeah, I think I think we'll just move to the next the next section and and we'll 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 elaborate more on Far Sector throughout this episode. Actually, guys, uh, Jesse's the next one who asks a series of questions. He's got a Far Sector question in there. Um, I think uh, one of our Facebook people has a question. Dan's got one. 
uh, stuff like that. So we'll, there are more intricate questions about Far Sector throughout this. So we'll definitely comment more on uh, on that as we go. So Daxton, if you're listening, uh, if you haven't already checked out that episode, that definitely go check that out. That was our most recent episode before this one. Uh, and uh, definitely listen to the rest of this episode because we'll be elaborating, I think, on some things that maybe we didn't really touch on in that uh, in that review. And things we may, to be fair, we may really not have thought that much about at the time. True. I think I think some of the questions as we get some of the questions were interesting and that's I, they 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 did make me think stuff like that I probably stuff maybe I just worked under the assumption maybe a little made the magic the, the magic using that magic word assume and and the negative aspects of when you break that word down potentially of uh, when it came to the relationship of of Joe and and. Her status as a Green Lantern Corps member, I think some of the questions are intriguing. So, Far Sector probably is going to be the most common thread, I think, throughout all these uh, all the questions tonight, for the most part. For sure. Uh, did you want to go question for question or question asker for question asker? Uh, I. Why do we alternate questions? Just because some people have like six questions and some people just have one, and depending on what the question is, it's like. So like with Jen, so yeah, so let's just alternate questions, not not the asker thereof. Uh, okay. All right. So the next, but the next three questions are going to be from Jesse at Bama Stew ninety five. Maybe not surprising. Uh, his first question is, who's your pick to win the college football national championship and the Heisman? Um. So, I. I've been I, I say this every time we, we talk about football. Like I've been getting into football more and more each year. Like this is my second year playing fantasy and and all of this stuff. When the season started, I was like, man, I'm really gonna make an effort to watch games this year. And I just I, I just don't have I, I don't have it. Like unless we're watching the games at someone's house, I don't really see it. Uh, I didn't. I didn't see a lot of college games this year. Obviously, I root for Texas Tech always. Uh, I actually might have a chance to go to the Texas Tech game on Friday, which is the day this comes out. So who knows? We'll see. Um, that's always. That's always like a maybe up it, because it, they alternate. Texas will. Texas and Texas Tech always play right around Thanksgiving, and whether that game is in town in Austin or out of town at Lubbock uh, alternates every year. This year it's in town. And anytime that they're in town each year, it's like a, maybe I'll get a go. We'll see. But anyways, but that's neither here nor there from what I've seen. I, I don't know. Ohio, I think is the one uh, the commentators are talking a lot about their, their, their performance. Uh, you know what, what they're looking at. Um, I know Bama's doing pretty well, and that's not to placate uh, Jesse, but I know Bama's doing pretty well. Uh, and if I were to choose between like Ohio or Alabama, I'd probably say Alabama. You know, roll tide. But like Ohio State, Chad. Ohio State. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's okay. Just I, I just in case people, just, I'm just trying to save you from the wrath of people who, might, who, if there are big college football fans who are listening to us. <laughs> so, I mean, like I went into the season thinking, man, I'm going to watch everything, but I think. Man, I think I need to buy some sort of package or streaming service or something because a lot of people are like, hey, let's go watch a game here, here, here. But they were at like super crowded bars at super crowded places. And I'm down to watch a game at a bar, but I don't want to be like 
in the thick of it. Like, I, if if I've got to drive a while, if uh, if it's going to be a bitch to find parking, like all of that stuff, that that'll immediately just negate me. Like, no matter how bad I want to see the game, like, nah, I'd rather stay home. If we're going to like just some bar that's just randomly in some shopping center or something, okay, that's cool. Uh, but I'm not going to like, you know, I got to spend 20 minutes trying to find parking and then walk over there. And then edge my way through the crowd just to get to my friends and find a seat and then stand at the bar for 20 minutes before I get my drink. Like, I don't want to deal with all that shit. So, like, if it's not at somebody's house uh, and, and, and not at, or, or at some sort of local just sort of chill bar, I, I just want nothing to do with it. So I'm thinking next season because it's a little too late now. I'm thinking next season I'm just going to have to invest in some sort of a, a streaming service for those games so that when I – when I'm not at someone's house or some sort of random neighborhood bar, at least I can watch the games here. Because right now, my option is finding some sort of illegal stream online and trying to stream it to the TV. And uh, depending on the internet connection or whatever, that can be choppy or boring or just sort of aggravating. So maybe uh, I think a streaming service is where I'm going to be. But this year, like this year, I just haven't watched that much uh, college, mostly NFL games I've watched. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't, I can't really ant for the Heisman. I, I really have not followed it well enough to, to know. Yeah, me neither. That, 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 I actually, in all honesty, I, I did see the high, the question about the, the national championship. I really, I didn't mean, uh, I didn't kind of notice the Heisman part of his question until, until I was reading it now. It's like, oh, uh, so I, I really can't give any kind of educated guess on that for the, I guess for the national, I think Alabama's looked more vulnerable. I think this year, though, again, they lost earlier in the season, which tends to be something that's easier, easy, more easily and easier forgotten for, uh, when it comes to who's going to be in the four, the four playoff teams. So I guess right now, Ohio State or LSU, those are probably those are I think the top two. I guess I, I don't know. I, I don't have a dog in the fight. I would I'm, I would just roll a dice, I guess, on LSU. Clemson, I know, has been really – Clemson still hasn't lost, but they've squeaked through a lot. They've been very, very lucky. So I, so that could come back and haunt them too as far as even making the, making the playoffs potentially, which would be controversial if they don't lose, not to be in the, you know, in, in the four-team playoff, especially since they are, what the, they are the defending national champion, I believe. But they've, they've opened the door, I think, by having some less than – Stellar victories. So I, I, I don't know. I'll just be stupid and say it. I, it's, to me, it's LSU or Ohio State, but I'd say LSU just because who knows. All righty. The next question. Uh, have you been reading Justice League? What are your thoughts on the crisis level event cur- occurring in that book? Is it affecting other titles? The only DC books I'm reading are GLJL, so Green Lantern, Justice League, Justice League Odyssey, and Far Sector. Obviously, I haven't been reading Justice League, but you have. Uh, so, yes and no. I I have Justice League. I have Justice League Odyssey. Am I caught up? No. Gotcha. Um, so, Justice League, I've said this before, I believe, on the show. But Justice League, I keep forgetting what's happening in that book. That's like, not a good I'll sign. Say- <laughs> Uh, I, I, I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to catch up, man. I forgot what happened. Let me go back and reread. And it's just like, 
I, I don't know. I, 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 maybe I'm just not in the right mindset when it happens. Uh, I, I don't, maybe it's just a bad book. I mean, who, who the hell knows? But until we like truly review it for the show, I'm not going to just invest a bunch of time in trying to figure out why I'm not remembering what's happening. I do feel like it's a, a wordy SOB of a book. Um, so that might be part of it. Just a, you know, lots of narrative bubbles and, 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 uh, you know, speech panels and stuff like that. So maybe it's just, there's too much to remember or, or whatever. Um, but I do know that there are ripple effects for the source wall being destroyed, uh, happening in other titles beyond just, um, Odyssey and Justice League and our Green Lantern stuff. Um, I'm pretty sure, I mean, obviously it's a Justice League title. Justice League Dark has, I think, ramifications in terms of the magic side of the universe. Uh, I'm pretty sure the Superman books are affected, um, based on what I've heard. Uh, but, you know, I just, I only pay attention to, to the things I'm just kind of like, for instance, I'm reading, um, I'm reading the Lois Lane series. Um, they just released the mini series for, uh, the question, the death of Vic Sage or whatever. Fantastic. Just read that. That was great. Um, uh, I mean, I know it's Dan DiDio and he's not well, like got the best track record as a writer, but Dan DiDio's metal men is on issue two now. And, but these are all like sort of standoff side, side story books as opposed to, super connected to the larger universe. So just by happenstance and the stuff I'm reading outside, like good example, uh, curse of the white knight by, uh, by, um, Sean Gordon Murphy. That's a Batman story. It's taking place in its own little world, its own little reality, sort of a situation. So that obviously has nothing to do with the source wall stuff. So I'm just reading all these little side alleys of DC right now, uh, for the most part. So it's hard to tell, the specifics of what is affected by all these source wall breaking things. I guess <laughs> I'll take your word for it, Chad. Uh, well, we haven't, you, we haven't reviewed justice league yet. I know you, I don't think you've read any of it. Uh, you were though curious about some doing some more odyssey though, right? Cause you liked that first arc. I thought the first arc was interesting, though. Again, the big having Dark Side be bad again so quickly, though predictably so. Uh, that I thought, I thought, I didn't think that arc ended it that well, but I did like some of the, I like some of the things that were set up in it. Plus, I liked, I like Asriel, obviously. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind doing more Odyssey. I wouldn't mind doing at least, uh, even if it's more like surface level reviews over of the of what's going on in Justice League. But neither one. Yeah, neither one of those books really has drawn me in enough where I feel the need that I, I need to buy it on a, on a monthly basis. Gotcha. All right, so here we go to more far sector goodness. Uh, let's see. Any We already talked about what we thought about the episode, uh, I mean, the issue overall. Any speculations on why the Guardians picked yet another human Green Lantern and what do you think of her? Well, we obviously we obviously don't know if the Guardians really picked her. <laughs> True, but let's say they did. Uh, as far as what do you think of her? I mean, we've kind of gotten that already. But as far assuming the Guardians did indeed pick her, um, I weirdly 
Well, not weird. When it initially happened, when we were supposed to be getting this other lantern, I was like, oh, great, another human lantern. In this, after reading the first issue, it sort of makes sense uh, in the fact that this is a culture that has no emotion. And the Guardians, while, them, while, while the Guardians themselves, um, you know, are try to kind of remain neutral or dead center or whatever, uh, I think given their history, you know, uh, Manhunters and so on and so forth, they see the danger of sending someone into a volatile situation without the capacity for emotion. Um, so the fact that this entire culture uh, is in a situation where they they don't really uh, seem to have uh, emotional reactions or at least say that they don't, um, uh, or uh, th- that sending someone capable of that like a human um, – seems to be like a smart move. Uh, now, we obviously, like I said, we said, we don't know if the Guardians did indeed pick her, but if they did, um, then I'm less I'm less inclined to be irritated with having yet another human Green Lantern. And plus, I'm not entirely... Her, 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 her references, I don't want to say pop culture references, because it's not like she mentioned a specific band or something, but her references seem to be relatively modern, but at the same time... She could be like just from a far future. I don't. Do we know what time frame this takes place in? I thought they may have mentioned it in the build-up to this series, but I don't think they mentioned it in the first. I don't think they mentioned it in the first issue. Um. Gotcha. Well, what do you think? Uh, if you know another yet another human GL. See again for me. It's right now. And we'll get more into this with with Dan, Dan's questions. I know we're building a big build up to Dan's questions. So if you if you think Dan's questions suck, well blame, blame Dan. <laughs> blame it on him. But 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 there's a reason why because he because he, he his questions do take us down a, a a different road than we had talked about regarding this far sector in uh, in our review episode. I, it's, I, so it's hard for me to get past the idea now that you know we don't we really don't know at all that she was actually that, we don't know how much of a Green Lantern she actually is because we don't and we don't know who gave her the ring. The fact that it came in a ring box is kind of weird. But then again, maybe 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 the, maybe the Guardians uh, went to Jared or something in the future. Who knows? Maybe they branched out and uh, hey, we can we can give you boxes now for take care of it. I don't know. I think I think it's too early to tell what I think of. Plus, in the if it's in the future, and I know this book is supposed to be in the future. It's not supposed to be, you know, like twenty twenty or twenty nineteen. So we don't know, we don't know how many Green Lanterns exist. We don't know how many Green Lanterns are from Earth at that point. She could she could be the only Green Lantern. She could be the only Green Lantern theoretically from Earth at this point. We don't know. So it's kind of I so I I have a hard time. We we need to know more of her origin and the and the world in which she exists. I think before I can make before I can look at it in one way or the other and judge positively or negatively about oh un, about it's another Earth Green Lantern. Is that necessary? But we don't know what, what the deal is or another twenty eight fourteen um, representative. Which if that turns out to be the case. Uh, so we don't really know. So I think since so much of the jury's still out on this, 
I don't really have a big dog in the fight. One way the issue with with that question about about pick yet another human, and or we just go back if you want to. Ju- we we know there are specific reasons why they have picked humans in the past. Of course, those reasons keep changing depending on who's writing the book. But there could be a bunch of reasons why they picked her. And like you said, maybe maybe something about her personality type and her and her makeup makes her makes her well suited for the world that they live in these days. So we'll see. For sure. All right. So, um, uh, Kataga Ma at uh, Kako underscore TM. Uh, what are you going to do for the 80th anniversary of Alan Scott slash Green Lantern in general? We don't know, do we? <laughs> well, we don't know, but I, I, I figure with the understanding, everybody at home, that none of this is set in stone, except what we do say is set in stone, if we want to say anything in general. <laughs> uh, uh, there's, there's an answer for you. <laughs> uh, uh, I, maybe maybe we should spitball some stuff just to give them something to think about because first of all we you and I have talked we're not doing the the JL May next year right? But what did you say we don't know if we're doing JL May? No, we're we're not doing JL May right? Because we, we've had that conversation. I don't know if we 100 percent decided, but yes, we were. But if, if we were betting people, we were bet we were betting towards probably not doing it. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> Um, the 80th anniversary is a big deal. Um, I th- I um, I'm looking here at the uh, black box pops that have been coming out um, uh, for Batman's 80th anniversary, and it's not just uh, only four pops, but there is a logo on there for Batman 80 years. I've been trying to work up a Green Lantern 80 years logo. That we can, I don't know, slap on every piece of album art that we put out in 2020, at the very least, um, you know, or use across social media, whatever. Um, so, I mean, obviously, you know, some little things here and there to just sort of raise awareness, aware, raise awareness. Um, maybe using hashtag Green Lantern 80th or whatever, or GL 80th, um, just stuff like that. Uh, I will say. Not that I'm the reason you should be buying tickets, um, but this past uh, – yes, just yesterday actually, uh, I have – the past couple of days, I have been getting uh, notifications on social media from Emerald City Comic Con that the Saturday tickets were almost sold out. Um, the full weekend passes, Thursday through Sunday, were already sold out and had been sold out since the minute these tickets went on sale. But the single day passes were still on sale uh, and still available. But kept getting all these these notifications that Saturday's almost gone. Saturday's almost gone. Well, as we record this, just yesterday, I bought a ticket for Saturday Emerald City Comic Con, um, and this is the plan: is for me to go. To Emerald City Comic Con in Seattle, March 12th through the 15th of next year. Um, I've wanted to go to Emerald City. Uh, I've been to New York. New York was great. I'm sure someday I'll get to San Diego, but it just seems like such a media-based thing now that it's just like I don't know if I want to deal with it and deal with the crowds and, and all the the hell uh, of of that. Um, 
but Emerald City, it's you know in the Pacific Northwest. I really want to go. Um, I've uh, my mom lives just outside of uh, Portland on the border of Washington and Oregon in a town called Washougal. Um, and I've wanted to when I've gone up to visit her, maybe we could take a day trip or something up to Seattle, but we didn't never got a chance to do that. Um, so you know, just going up there in March. I, I love the colder weather, so I thought that would be cool. Uh, whatever. Um, plus, one of my favorite holidays is uh, St. Patrick's Day, and or actually my favorite holiday, bar none, is St. Patrick's Day. Um, so that always happens, you know, mid-ish March. Uh, it's going to be actually happening, I think, a few days after the con. But you know, that can be my gift to myself for my favorite holiday. Uh, so at this point. I don't yet have a hotel. I don't yet have a flight. I don't yet have Thursday, Friday or Sunday tickets, but I have made the first step and going to a con called Emerald city in the, uh, close to St. Patrick's day on, uh, you know, as a way to kick off my 2020 and the 80th anniversary of green lantern, uh, whatever. Seems like it'd be fun. Um, that's uh, there, there are three major conventions where Funko puts out exclusives. There's the obviously the summer convention, so that's San Diego. There's the fall convention, so that's New York Comic Con. But the spring convention is Emerald City. That's when those spring convention exclusives come out. So I can kind of get some Funko fix going there, you know, actually go to an actual Funko booth and really get the whole vibe. So that's one of the things I'm doing. Um, Obviously, we'll have special episodes and stuff. Um, there's something that I've been working on, uh, sort of, but I can't talk about. I'm not allowed to talk about yet uh, for reasons I can't get into. Um, but it's not like anything major is going to come out of it. We're just going to try to help somebody out with something. Um, but we'll see. And uh, <laughs> you're welcome for the vagueness. Uh, um, I don't know, man. Like, I, I think... I think, you know, the idea of skipping um, JL May gives us like gives us like this open schedule where we can do whatever we want and focus on a big event whenever we want. Um, obviously, me going to Emerald City, I plan to do lots of interviews and stuff like lots of interviews for the creative credit show. Lots of interviews just for, you know, the green, the lantern cast and stuff with just like a con report, whether we split that up into one episode or multiple. I, I don't know. Um but I'm just really excited for what 2020 has to offer. But Mark and I would actually have to sit down and plan out what we want to do. We've already got a list of stuff that we want to talk about in terms of big story arcs or trades or whatever that we've wanted to cover but haven't yet on the show. But I don't know if any of that's necessarily special for the 80th anniversary. True. I think that that sums it up. I do think. Well, I mean, the odds are we will maybe do some Golden Age issue reviews, which we really haven't done. We mostly focus on Silver Age. But uh, I think so. At the very least, we'll probably do some more Alan Alan centric issue reviews or story story arc reviews. I think that's that. I think that's fair. To, to expect in, in 2020 um, it also like you said with JL May if we if it it does that if we choose to focus something else in especially if we wanted to do something that month 
that gives that does open the door for that. There's also the uh, there's also the fact that if we continue to only have one real Green Lantern book a month, though, I guess if you want to consider Far Sector a Green Lantern book, even though we know it's not, it's we'll have it for most of next year unless something unforeseen happens. <laughs> so we 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 have we it gives us the negative to only having one book is that. Like we've talked about before. The negative is we only have one book to review, so there's a lot of gaps to fill in the recording schedule if you want to keep it heavily Green Lantern-centric. But the positive is also that there's lots of room to do what we want to do Green Lantern-related because there's so much room to fill. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword that can work. Sometimes works in our favor and sometimes works against us, just generally speaking, just from scheduling any kind of episode. It gives us more leeway to do episodes not Green Lantern-related too, though we do, I think, feel compelled on average to at least try to do for like three three Green Lantern episodes, so like every one Green Lantern episode, non-Green Lantern episode, I should say. Not counting spinoffs, not really counting spinoffs, but when we do proper episodes, we at least want to do th- – I think we try to keep it at at least more close to a three to one ratio of Green Lantern centric topics versus non. Uh, so I, I so I think there'll be there'll be room in 2020 to probably make certainly more of an effort to do some Alan Scott stories or even if it's not even if you know it doesn't ha- always have to be just Alan Scott exclusively exclusive stories it could certainly be Alan Scott. Interacting with other members of, of the Green Lantern Corps too, or a Jade Spotlight, or an Obsidian Spotlight. That's true. Yeah, there's there's, <laughs> there's a bunch of there's a bunch of things that we could do. Focusing on your favorite Tramp Green Lantern, Jade. No. <laughs> I'll never forgive you. That home. Uh, no, uh, you know, and this is just an idea I had just pop into my head. Maybe we shoot for like we do a crossover, and I don't mean like. Like a an in depth like super hard crossover, but like maybe we guest on one other podcast once a month, you know, like whether it's you and me, just me, just you, whatever. And it doesn't even have to be a comic show. Like, um, for just as an example, uh, every, you know, I've talked about it before. One of my favorite shows that's obviously off the air right now is Community, but a show just released this week. Um, called Fluffy Town, and it's all about community. Uh, and it's just, you know, each episode is uh, about an, uh, an episode of the TV show in order. And I enjoy it. And the person who started it's followed me on Twitter because, you know, I've, I've posted about community in the past and how much I love it. And they, they figured out that I was also a podcaster, and they're like, hey, do you want to come on at some point? So, like, you know, just going on someone else's show and talking about a different passion of mine, I can help, you know, bring people over to the lantern cast or let people know, Hey, by the way, if you want to come over and listen to the lantern cast, fantastic. Also this year is the 80th anniversary of green, you know, like just getting the word out there. I mean, that doesn't necessarily have to be like another comic show has to talk about green lantern to give us an excuse to go. I mean, like it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, it's been a while since either of us have been on Corwin's show. Maybe we go over there and talk some X-Men or some Avengers, whatever. Um, so, uh, I just thought the, like, just kind of like spreading the, spreading the love and the, the name of the lantern cast in general, not necessarily like as a huge push for followers or something, because while sure, yeah, we want, you know, an increase in followers and likes and people interacting with us and stuff like that. It's not like something we've ever actually like, pushed for the only thing we've ever pushed for is feedback 
Um, so, I mean, I don't know, just, uh, helping get our own name out there also helps spread the name of Green Lantern. So that would be a, a way to, to do that in terms of, uh, celebrating the 80th anniversary is just kind of spreading our own, uh, our own voices and, and appearances elsewhere to be like, you know, and at the very end of talking about whatever subject matter it is, just be like, oh yeah, and, and, over on the Lantern cast, we're celebrating the 80th anniversary of Green Lantern. So, you know, just sort of awareness, I guess. That's a possibility. We, we're, we're certainly not against pimping ourselves out if we need to. No, only kidding. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll get her. Well, Chad will go out there with like, he'll go on some some podcast and he'll have like all all these sponsor tags all over him. <laughs> Peyton bought for. <laughs> you know, because of part of my job, uh, I'm actually getting a little bit more and more familiar with the actual logistics of social media ads. And, you know, you can actually get a lot of impressions and and just like and by impressions, I mean, people seeing the ad, not necessarily clicking on your link or clicking, you know, the like button or whatever for whatever page you're advertising. But you can get a lot of impressions, people physically seeing this ad on their screen as they're scrolling through their timeline for very little money. So I was thinking, like, just try it out. Maybe like maybe like three times next year. I'll pay for an ad for the Lantern cast like, you know, first, you know, first, third, second, third and third, third of the year. Just see, see, see what happens. Not make it a regular thing, not do it every other week or every payday or whatever. But like, just see what happens, because I don't think we've ever taken an ad out for the Lantern cast. I've seen other podcasts do it and and I I don't know how it actually works for them. But if I say like, hey the budget of this ad on Twitter is going to be 20 bucks. I mean, you know, whatever that's the amount of money I'd blow. If I was like wanting to really like play a bunch of lottery tickets or something, if I was feeling lucky one day or something. So like, well, you know, why not put it towards an ad? Just see what happens. Um, so maybe I'll do that in 2020, get some ads for the show. Who knows? Plenty of options abound. All right. What's next? Martin at, uh, Marsange 47. Aside from Sinestro Core War and Blackest Night, what Green Lantern storyline should receive an animated movie? I think we have the same answer that who is probably, huh? We might, but since I'm, since I'm struggling to find one right now, you go first. <laughs> Emerald Twilight. Actually, then, then I feel, then I don't feel so bad because I actually, Emerald, when I first read the question, Emerald Twilight did pop into my head. So, okay, you're right. We were on the same page. <laughs> Because uh, they Emerald won't do Twilight, it, they won't do it. But yeah, no, they won't. But Emerald Twilight gives you the option to explore how, explore the core, uh, have this deep emotional story, but also introduce a new lantern. And and I've really wanted Kyle Rayner to show up. I mean, everybody always talks about like you know Hal Jordan and John Stewart and in, in terms of animation and live action possibilities. Guy Gardner sometimes gets thrown in there, but I feel like our boy Kyle gets left out of the conversation a lot. And uh, I don't know why, man. I think it'd be great. I mean, obviously I'm biased, and I think like that Power of Ion story would be a cool, um, a cool one. But like, I don't think DC would ever do that without first trying to find a way to introduce Kyle. And what better way to do it than Emerald Twilight? So it could be, it could be a, it could be a half and half thing, you know, like. 
we do Emerald Twilight, and then we do we do um, Kyle's first sort of foray as a Green Lantern, and um, foray as a Green Lantern, and then like he's fighting. What was the what was the name of the villain? Major Force. No, no, no. Before that, the 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 electric dude oh, that, that he was. Guy, I don't, oh God, I don't even remember that. That was such a peon villain. Right, exactly. But he's fighting him. He's getting the hang of the ring. He decides to keep it and decides to be a hero. And then, like, the, that's the last shot of the movie, uh, of the animated movie. And then, like, you know, roll credits, you know, heroic theme or whatever. But the after credit sequence is a knock on the door. Alex answers, and it's Major Force standing in the doorway. And we don't see her, like, get killed and stuffed in a refrigerator or whatever, but, like, the fans know. I think, realistically, if they were going to do this – now, first of all, it would be hard It would be hard to do this in, in one – If it would almost have to be if they wanted to do this, like an Emerald – kind of what they did with the death of Superman when they did it the second time, when they had – when they did both, the death and the rain, and had two separate movies that could be basically connected – it would be hard to do Emerald Twilight and still have, other than giving the ring to Kyle at, 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 at you know almost like it's an after credit thing. That'd be almost hard to do anything with Kyle if you were going to do justice to that story, especially because you're not if if they had opened the door for that in the death of Superman, then they could they some of the groundwork would have been laid. But now you kind of like I think you you would and maybe they would want to do it independently anyway. But you have to give the reason for. If Hal's going to flip his ring, you got to give a reason. You have to give a reason for it. So, if they, but even if they were going to do two movies that are related, like Death and Rain, I would think you almost would have to have Kyle score off against Hal in in as in the second movie because you have to have some symmetry between the two. If you're trying to if you're trying to sync them together, if you're trying to have one flow into the other and have people who would naturally are going to want to watch the second one who saw the first one, and that may not be the case. For Kyle fans, it would be the case, but if you went, but if how you know, but if it's the fall of fall of the Green Lantern Corps and, and how becoming Parallax at the end of Emerald Twilight, and then the second quote unquote the sequel of the second part doesn't touch upon barely in, of any of that, I, it doesn't really flow as well, and I think you could lose. There's not as natural. There's not the natural rollover of symmetry. So I would kind of tend to suspect that if they were going to do that. They, they still could. You could still get a lot of Kyle's origin. You could still have him. Probably wouldn't necessarily. You could even have pushed the major force thing down the road a little bit, if to see if he was popular enough to do another. But unless they really wanted to fuck things up and have Hal be the one who put Alex in the fridge, and I really wouldn't want to see that. <laughs> right. That's really not Hal's style. But how some, which as we know, some people didn't quite get. You know, some people don't quite ever get that with Hal being Parallax. That that. That he was still the he's Hal as Parallax was essentially the same the same guy doing the same kind of things just with different different motivation. That's really what it was, and having a different world view on things, thus his name. So it's not like he he didn't become this mustache twirling villain who or somebody who would go out there and step on an ant, and step on an anthill or set fire you know burn ants with a magnifying glass just for the hell of it now because he could. That's not that's not what who Hal was. He was still he still had the same heroic tendencies and qualities. He just f- was focusing them in a, in a much more questionable, to the world at large anyway, a much more questionable, in a much more questionable way. And his focus was much different. So, 
but we'll, but we'll see. I mean, I think I think Emerald Twilight would be a good one. Lights Out could be interesting too if they wanted to do that. But since they really haven't done much, they since they really haven't focused much on the other cores, which are obviously some part of the Green Lantern fan base would probably ha- would be are happy about. But since they haven't touched on that much of it, yes, the animated series did. Which God, it'd be nice if they brought that back. <laughs> but other than they really haven't. The emotional spectrum's been relatively quiet lately, for the most part. Well, you know, I was actually thinking, uh, they did Gotham by Gaslight. Next up is uh, Superman Red Sun. Why not do In Darkest Night? Yeah, they could do that. If you're going to adapt popular Elseworld stories for, um, for the animated universe, I think... I mean, Gotham by Gaslight for sure, because that, that was like the first Elseworlds, right? I think so, and that's, that's pretty – and because of the subject matter, that kind of almost instantaneously became big because it, being bl- being blunt, you take Batman, Batman's going to have an interest. Jack the Ripper always has an interest, so you stick the two together. Kind of, yeah. kind of like the Red Rain thing too. If you stick, you stick vampires or Dracula and yeah. that concept with Batman, then yeah, I mean that's just it's like it's like a Reese's peanut butter cup. It's like it's like it's just everything that it's going to be hard for the majority of people not to have an interest in it. So, and maybe we're just biased because we're Green Lantern fans. But when I think of Elseworlds, I have in Darkest Night, like I mentioned it in my first five things I'd say, you know. Um, but you know, it's neither here nor there. I'd say Emerald Twilight, though. I think that's I think that's where to go for if we're gonna get an uh, a uh, what's what's the trilogy look like though? So like, so if we start with Emerald Twilight, do you think the next one has to be Zero Hour, and then after that, like some sort of uh, mesh up of Day of Judgment or and something else maybe? See, it, it, it's interesting you ask it that way because I because. Because I look at it from – this delves back into when I was doing my screenplays for Green Lantern. And the way I pro- – and of course, I, in my mind's eye, I kind of – yeah, I think we're just naturally – maybe not everyone, but to a large extent, a lot of people are naturally attuned to the concept of trilogies, you know, of doing them in thirds. Or just maybe just from the natural, which flows just – essentially flows just from the mere concept of the traditional three-act structure in, every, in anything. So when you're doing a trilogy, you're essentially each, – each book or movie is one act of a bigger piece. So that's, I think, where most people think – though it's not as – it's less – it's still what most – it's still the traditional way of doing things. It's still what most people do, but it's not it's not set in stone. You have to do it that way. But in my mind's eye, I was setting I was setting up for the first three movies to be about Hal, so so Emerald Twilight was going to be the end. So and my and I think I may have talked about this before. Conceptually, the first issue, the first movie was about becoming a Green Lantern, the second movie was about becoming the Green Lantern, and the last movie was going to be about being the only Green Lantern. Which ironically, the twist on that would as when it ended, of course, Kyle would actually beat that Green Lantern. But Hal, but but technically, for that brief moment, Hal was the last was was the only Green Lantern. And then with Kyle, yeah, I I've, I kind of figured zero. See, zero hour was a toughie. Zero hour should be done. And I know, and I don't want to go make this too self-serving, but in my mind's eye, it kind of was dependent on DC as a whole with with some of these things in my mind, because. Zero Hour really should be a you know a, a DC movie you know what I mean as opposed to a Green yeah. Lantern movie, 
So you can get away. Emerald Twilight would clearly a Green Lantern movie, but a, but Zero Hour would be kind of be dependent on that would be a DC movie, not necessarily a Green Lantern movie. Heavily focused on Green Lantern because Hal would you know would be the bad guy even if you set it even I, though I would assume he would try to structure it like the actual Zero Hour where. You would think extant. You 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 would think extant was the bad was the was the guy behind everything until you realize he was just working with Hal and kind of was the second stringer. So I don't want to. I don't mean to interrupt, but like so, if you do zero hour, because every every time they try to do a big DC universe story and adapt it, they still always have to fall into the thing where they have to have a couple of POV characters. So even though the story may not have had like a main character, doesn't matter. The adaptation, the adaptation has to have a couple of focal points for the audience. So who would you say, I mean, obviously Hal's the bad guy. Who would you say is the focal points for zero hour? Cause the only person I can think of is like, let's get green arrow, but who else? So you have to go back and remember, see, Zero Hour was kind of interesting because they really did hop, skip, and jump about who they were focused focused in on, not counting not counting their individual uh, tie-ins in their comics, because because obviously you had you had you know Guy Gardner, you had Guy Gardner actually was had a relatively high high stakes POV towards the end since he was one of the few heroes left standing who was and was kind of really tempted to go along with Hal because of what Hal was offering. Uh, you had you had Bat you had Batgirl, didn't you? Wasn't Batgirl still alive? I think Batgirl was one of the ones that was one of the people that somebody was. Some, I'm trying. It was one of those that who was technically dead, like in our unit, and at the time in one timeline was somebody was dead, and they were. That's what that with how with the big grinny face saying like, basically everybody was going to have their you know everybody was going to have their universe. It's like everybody wins. I always remember that Dan Jurgens panel. I don't know. Uh, ironically, one of the few people that wouldn't have a big PO that really wouldn't be a factor in Zero Hour would be Batman. <laughs> All yeah. Which is kind of a refreshing change. And Superman wasn't overly big either. If you look at even the resolution, that's why Zero Hour is kind of interesting as as an event. Uh, I'm just trying to think. You can make you can make a case Alan Scott could have been a POV character for the first part of it because Alan Scott and his rain going in and even and with Kyle you could you could you could make you could make Kyle. You could almost do an Alan Scott into Kyle POV to contrast directly with. So if you wanted to make it a little, if you let's say you wanted to make it a Green Lantern centric zero hour movie a little bit more, which obviously you'd still be having a lot of the other characters in it, you could do that because Kyle was Kyle was really relevant to it, not just because of his ties to Alan. But just because of the fact that that was the first time Hal and Kyle ever squared off, and the and the and the importance thereof to both of them, and how it changed their relationship, and but yeah, I don't know. I I think to get kind of back on point, yeah, I think if you if you were starting with Emerald Twilight, yes, from my and my, then yes, you would have you would almost have to do you would almost have to do Emerald Twilight. You'd have to do zero zero hour, and actually no, you know what you would do? You, we forgot something. Final night, you'd have to do Final Night. Yes. Okay. Final yeah. You if, you, if you were, because if, if you were essentially doing a Hal Jordan as Parallax trilogy, even though he may not have been the, the as the villain, he wouldn't necessarily be the focal point. You'd it would have to be a Emerald Twilight, Zero Hour, then Final Night, and then you had the option of yes, down the road, doing the whole Spectre thing and resurrecting him. 
But that they way would, you uh, that way you'd come full that way you would come full circle. So if you were just they would. I mean you 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 know I mean as much as you you love that series and and, and cover it and stuff. I just DC just straight up just pretends like it never happened. So I I I'm sure they'd do Final Night and then find a way to bring him back and but skip the Spectre thing altogether. I mean, and it was, I think we talked about there are so, there were tons of ways. I mean, Hal's death in Final Night was so suspect to begin with. That it was one of the one of your weaker, weaker deaths you were supposed to believe in, just because some telepath lost contact with his mind. That supposedly really meant that he that he was gone. I mean, with Hal's power, the fact that Hal could have just blinked himself to another place where so many wouldn't be reading it. I mean, that was always a really lame death. So that, that was kind of always an interesting choice they went of how. But that was, I think, all about the idea of it wasn't just bringing Hal back; it was trying to redeem Hal. And I think that's the reason why they kind of went – which I – I mean the miniseries was cool. I mean they were, there were some cool things with Hal as the Spectre, but it did kind of go off its the rail at some point. But then again, part of the reason why it went off the rail was because they already knew where they were going. Jeff Johns helped steer it off the rail on purpose back in Justice Society because he knew where he was going with it, where he needed the status quo to be before rebirth. But yeah, I agree with you. I think there's you can you can you could undo that death, but that's also working under the assumption because that this is like a big DCU, everything's fitting into each other in an animated animated world, and we know that wouldn't be the case. So as a standoff, if you were just doing a trilogy, you could very easily end it with Final Night, have Hal die, saving everything and redeeming himself, and boom, boom, boom. Yeah. All right. Um. Which Green Lanterns would have the best chance of lifting Thor's hammer? It wouldn't be Simon Bass. Uh, I, actually, I actually had an idea for this. I was and, struggling to come up with. I mean, I just, I have a few, but struggling. But you go, <clears throat> you go first then. <clears throat> Sodom yet? Yeah, I could see that because he because he's like Superman. He's not. He's he's a little more. He's got a little more a little more baggage internally, but. He, but then Superman, but then again, if he, the fact that he overcame so much of that kind of, yeah, I, I miss Sotomayat. They really, uh, you would think maybe Morrison should be doing more with Sotomayat since he keeps bringing all these guys out of West Bumfuck into the, into that book. Sotomayat is a character that has been was criminally underused. Even even Van Jensen, who did bring him back, and then what? And, and yeah, what? Didn't he showed up against what? Cyborg Superman, right? I think so. Yeah, in, in the Dan Jurgens thing, which made no sense either. It's like in case of emergency, uh, uh, bring back Sodom yet. Uh, uh, let's see. Obviously, when I when you first think of the question, when you first think of the question, you naturally gravitate towards Earth's Green Lanterns, in my mind. So, as much as I love Hal, I eliminate Hal because he's fl- too flawed. As much as we've seen Guy be resurrected, I think Guy is too flawed. I think I doubt, I wouldn't know if to Kyle too because Kyle is has too much self self doubt even though it's not a willpower thing. Maybe I'd say I'll be fair and say maybe there's a chance for Kyle, but I I would bet against it. Of the of the four, John would be the one most likely of the Earth's main four to be able to lift it. Uh, ironically, Jessica probably would. It's not beyond the realm of possibility because of because of. Or she may become worthy. Even if she isn't worthy now, she has enough in her to be. Simon Baz, no. Kilowog, I could almost see under the right circumstance. Because Kilowog is... People who are completely dedicated 
to their cause, and I mean in a good way, because uh, obviously you could be dedicated to, to a cause in a bad way. I kind of, I kind of, I kind of respect. Uh, you can we can be funny and say Stell since he's not human, he might have a ch- he might have really alive, he'd have a chance like the Vision. <laughs> but if we but if we weren't talking Green Lanterns, I'd have to throw in. Uh, you have to say Saint Walker. I'd say Saint Walker probably. You know, um, depending on what point in their their publication history, I'd say maybe uh, Boudica or Lara. I don't. I think they, they. I think they always had enough. Well, I know they're warriors, and from that perspective, and I guess you have. There is that. You have to. You have to be fair, honest enough to look into it. That just being kind of potentially. Well, maybe comic book Thor wasn't so ruthless, and then you could say it's different. Uh, but you can't necessarily rule out somebody because as a warrior that they're you know they'll fight you to the to the death and and. And have no mercy in a situation like that. But I just maybe maybe Lara, even though she kind of <clears throat> we know how it kind of unbalanced she kind of had. She I, she, I don't know. A Buddha, That's why I say uh, Buddha, Buddha, I know I know I know you had that you had that the caveat. I don't think Budika though. I don't think she. I don't I don't buy I don't buy her. Uh, I mean I, I would uh, maybe 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 Tomar Ray I guess maybe maybe Cap. Yeah, Katma. Um, can make a case even Sora maybe in her prime before she kind of got warped. Talk about yeah. a character we haven't seen in friggin' forever. Um, there, I mean, there, there are a few. Um, Sodom, Sodom Yacht was actually was was a was a good choice. I, I guess we're overlooking Abin. I guess we almost would have to consider Abin at some point too. Yeah. But. <clears throat> All right. All right. So, what is one thing you hope to see in the HBO Max Lantern show? That's a good question. Lots of alien GLs. Yeah, I would say the core as a whole. Uh, even though we technically did see a lot of that in the 2011 movie, so it wouldn't. It doesn't mean. I know the question was something that wasn't something we want to see that we haven't seen or we didn't get to see in in the 2011 movie. But, no, I mean, I mean, focus on alien characters. Like, let's make them. Let's make them a. If not a main character, a sub- very very strong supporting character uh, for whatever episode or mission or whatever you're sending someone out on, and, and and to that point also, I'd like to also see like more uh, history of the core in terms of. So there's that popular story uh, in Green Lantern, right? Where well, it wasn't in Green Lantern. I think it was in a backup of Action Comics, right? Where. Tomar is about to retire, and they're looking back on what happened the day Krypton exploded. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, just 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 the interaction of the guiding hand of the Green Lantern Corps or the Guardians or whatever in the DC universe as a whole. I'm looking forward to seeing not just Green Lanterns doing Green Lantern things with alien Green Lanterns, but also seeing the history and the guidance and how this has impacted the universe. I I would suspect no matter who the focal point is going to be, and you assume it's going to be, which could be mistaken, but using the magic word again, assuming that's the case, that the focal point will be an Earth's Green Lantern, that I would suspect that I think I would want the majority of, a huge part of the show 
to be focused on yes the other other aliens uh, other alien worlds and i mean if you're going if if you are going to focus on Kyle then folk then that would be interesting if you focus on Kyle again are you going are you going to re are you going to be re reinventing the wheel again where he comes almost kind of what they tried to do when they did uh with the new 52 or whatever when the, or was it re yeah it was the new 52 when they tried to almost ret, when they retcon Kyle's origin in some weird way like the core the car, like the core and the guardians or something were still around when he became a member or something. Uh, same like in Superman, the animated series. Yeah. That they were, if, if they go and they could do that. It's, it's not like there's anything wrong with doing that. It's just if, if their, their intentions really are to focus or to focus, not to focal use the core as a focal point now, but to potentially branch out, I mean, maybe we should talk about that before the show ends too. Branch out potentially into the movie to have it take place, but to, you know, to have it be the same continuity, not independent of each other. Then, then you can do that, but you have to fit, you have to consider the ramifications for that. But if you have Kyle inter, make you could still have Kyle be new <clears throat> to the core and have him basically learning the ropes of being a Green Lantern while going off on these and these different missions and teaming up with these different Green Lan- alien Green Lanterns and things like that. I so I, I I would overall I would agree. I think the key I think the key is going to be the thing we probably both most want to see would be lots of alien Green Lanterns and a lot of different lots of different worlds and things of that nature. Yeah, for sure. All right, a new Green Lantern Corps book comes out. Which core members would you pick to be the focus? Again, if it am I, if it has to just be Green Lanterns, and technically that is what the question was. Oh, jeez, that's that's a tough one because we also have to look at people who haven't been the focal point before. Not saying that they should be, but saying it's hard to find people that we haven't zeroed in on at one point or another. For a significant part of a part of a run, I don't know. I kind of miss Kilowog and Aresia from Emerald Warriors. Kilowog, I mean, it's it'd be, it would let's be blunt. It would be hard to have any kind of core book that didn't either have Kilowog or Kilowog, eh, Kilowog, Kilowog, Kilowog or Salak in it because of their because of their all, historical all important role in. And obviously, Kilowog. They both have changed roles, but we know at the end of the day, they both really. They, they're, they're, their names of their positions may change, but deep down, what they really mean to the core doesn't. I don't think really changes in their, in their strengths. So it would be hard not to have Kilowog. I think Kilowog. Um, again, it depends if you if you're talking about if you if it's going to be more of an Earth-based book or not an Earth-based book. Um, if it's an Earth-based book, no Simon Baz, please, no Simon Baz. I'll take Jessica. I have no problem with Jessica. Jessica trained with who did she train? Was it did she trained with Guy or did she train with Kyle? She, she trained, trained with Guy, with, didn't she? Yeah, she trained with Guy. Yeah, I'd ra- I I would not mind that at all because I I really liked their interaction and and because they and because they have such different worldviews <clears throat> and different attitudes. And part of me says that because of the fact that Guy is of all the Green Lanterns right now, Guy's the one getting the shaft, and I think he shouldn't be getting the shaft. Uh, they've Guy has had the most character development going back even to from Kyle's run going forward. 
we've gone from one punch guy Gardner to Rocky Balboa guy Gardner, and he's had such a change, such a, <clears throat> a big change to have him be on the sidelines. You know, when some of these other characters are getting getting books and focal points, I think it's kind of criminal at this point. And this is somebody who didn't like Guy, wasn't a big fan of the old, you know, bowl cut Guy Gardner, but that's not Guy Gardner anymore. So I would say Guy Gardner, uh, especially since how, how important the core is to him. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of different it, – it's hard to have if – it was if, if it was a miniseries – and I don't know if it would be six or twelve, but if it was a mini series, I would like to see there be like a mission that requires uh, stealth, like kind of like a Black Ops thing. Um, and I know that we had, um, oh man, what was what was it called? The the pill that you swallowed, the stealth lantern, the corpse. Yeah, the corpse. Yeah, yeah. So that was cool, but I don't mean necessarily like that, but just like. We've got a tough mission, and we want to send out. I would do, I think, like a, a mini series, like where we send out the Lost Lanterns to do something. And for those of you who don't remember, so the Lost Lanterns, the ones on uh, the left, you mean? <laughs> Not well, many. yeah. So I, I mean, the original members. I mean, well, all members of the Lost Lanterns. So that would be um, Aricia, Boudica, Lara, Hanu, Jack T. Chance. Kihan, uh, Graf, Creon, and Tomar. Yeah, Tomar too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm pretty sure that's all of them. But yeah, the lost, the, the lost, the, the sending the lost lanterns out on a mission of like a you know a tough mission or you know we're we're gonna you know this is gonna be difficult or some sort of a black ops sort of a thing i think that would be cool to see them all go out there because with like jack you've got your you've got your guy gardener type character with uh hanu and kihan like the two of them are sort of the two different sides of hal <laughs> yeah. uh yeah. um yeah. the um you know aresia just being there and just because she, she's probably going to be like the 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 uh i don't know the the voice of reason <laughs> so maybe kyle the kyle sort of a thing uh with uh with lara and Boudica, you got the warriors so that's that's john i mean that, lately they've been writing him more like a marine so that's that's your warrior um so like you know you you sort of have those dynamics present with each of this group of characters so I, I but focusing on alien lanterns and getting to know them i would love a, a a lost lanterns mini whether that be six or twelve i'm thinking six i don't know i'm i'm thinking of like how it would go and i don't know if 12 the only reason i'm thinking of 12 is because the amount of lanterns that's a part of that team so it's, if you decided not to do all of them and only stuck with the people who are still alive or alive in this current continuity, then maybe six. But if it was every one of the people that is, uh, has been, was, is now a lost lantern, then then I think it would have to be twelve. Yeah, those last those lost lanterns didn't stick around very long in, in, in full numbers since Jeff John started killing them off real quick once we got to the Sinestro Core War. Uh, <laughs> And it's still, I mean, it's still, not to go off on this tangent for long, but it's still weird that Arisia really was ever included in that group because 
she really shouldn't have been. It was just no. because it just was an excuse to throw her in because of her emotional, because of the emotional heartstrings she was going to pull, mostly on Hal, but also with Guy to a to a lesser extent, and just to up the ante dealing with with Henshaw. But realistically, all the others were there for a reason because they were all lanterns Hal went through on Emerald Twilight on his way to Oa. So it all made sense for those guys. Uh, but it's so. She is technically part of the group, but she's kind of like it has an asterisk on it that she really doesn't belong with that. She doesn't necessarily really belong with that group. Her ties to that group are a lot more tenuous. Everybody else, there's a specific reason why they have a commonality there that she doesn't have. But I, I'd be okay. I'd be okay with that. I like. I liked. I liked the Lost Lanterns. I thought they were, and I thought that was. That was a pretty cool thing that that Jeff Johns did in in his in his, in his you know the early paving of paving the way for the things that we were going to see coming forward with you know leading up to Sinestro Corps War and Blackest Night and everything I do like I kind of was thinking about that time frame more recently about how how he was laying those bricks uh, that was you know the the we we look at it and say that was good Jeff Johns yeah. That was Jeff Johns at his best, the way he was connecting those dots and laying the breadcrumbs so so carefully and not so in your face about it where you – oh, some of these things – yeah, a lot, of, a lot of what he did in the beginning, you didn't know where it was going. Just no, Nobody knew where he was going with Black Hand in the beginning. You didn't know that. Uh, people, The Sinestro core thing, people started to suspect that that's what was going to go on with, with Sinestro. So I don't think that was a big surprise. So when like he first showed up and offered Arkillo like the the first ring or whatever, that wasn't really, I think, a huge surprise. But I'm just thinking of the reveal, you know, having Kyle become Parallax, having having the Anti Monitor be have <laughs> bringing the Anti Monitor back and having him be the guardian of their. Co- I mean, all that stuff was just that's Jeff Johns at his that was at his best as opposed to where we are now. <laughs> Where are you, Jeff Johns? Get out of your, get out of your cave. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Um, okay, so let's see. Uh, the Green Lanterns have crossed over with other sci-fi properties. In your opinion, which has been the best? Bonus question: Which property would you want them to cross over with? So let's see. So what have, what have they actually crossed over with? They've done Aliens. They've mm-hmm. done Planet of the Apes. They've done Star Trek. Space Ghost? Yeah, I guess technically. I mean, it's a, it was a one-shot thing, but you're right. Um, Is that Hanna-Barbera character that Jon Stewart crossed over with? That was, was that the Huckleberry Hound thing? I think so. But, that, but that's not a sci-fi crossover. Uh, which, so what other properties would you want them to cross over with? That's a way out to... The best of those, I think, was the Star Trek. That's personally speaking. The first one. Yeah. The first, yes, I agree. I think the first Star... Going with the first part of the question, the first... I See, I don't remember much about the Alien crossover. I, I The only thing I remember about the Alien crossover was the, the, the paradox of Hal being the one... Hal being the one to let the aliens live and Kyle having to be the one to decide to kill them. That, I thought, was an interesting little paradox since it seemingly is the opposite of their, of the, of their personalities. Uh, what was that? <laughs> I don't know. Somehow I've been getting freaking uh, text alerts on my freaking um, my, my, uh, MacBook Pro. Oh, yeah, Mac- I don't know how that happened. 
But whatever. It's, it, it's just a, it's good. To, I must be like a dog because it was a pretty high frequency, but yet I saw heard it through the, through the headset. Um, so I, so I almost forget about the I almost forget about the Green Lantern aliens crossover. So I would say yes. So the first Star Trek one was good. I did like that. Other properties to see him cross over with, and again, let's let's suspend this. Suspend disbelief because some properties we know financially and legally they're not going to be able to cross over with. So let's forget about that and say they could. Uh, but first, let's look at something they realistically they could do. They could do the Matrix if they wanted to because that's a Warner Brothers thing. So that wouldn't be particularly challenging, I don't think, to do. I'm not sure how it would work off the top of my head, but I'm sure there's a way you could do it. I mean, they're fighting the machines. And, uh, I guess Terminator could be interesting. Which kind of goes in, just like Matrix and Terminator. How, how about doing all three? Because Matrix and Terminator have a lot in co- common about the societies that, that take over. Uh, Star Wars would be cool if you could pull it off. Classic, not, classic Star Wars. I'm not a huge fan of the property itself. Um, so like, it's not like I know a lot about it or followed it as a kid or whatever. But realistically speaking, in terms of like, you know, Creatures from another world, or whatever. Transformers. Yeah. Having, having them go yeah. to Cybertron. Like, that'd be interesting. Um, I was thinking Turtles, but, you know, uh, that's just me being a Turtles fan. Um, you could say Power Rangers, too, for that, on that level. Um, yeah. I'm just trying to think of anything else that would work for the lanterns. Um, <laughs> I was just like thinking of just like a bunch of nineties cartoons and stuff. And for some reason, my mind went gargoyles. <laughs> yeah, Everybody seems to love gargoyles. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think what would, <clears throat> I mean, G.I. Joe could obviously work, but I don't know how sci-fi that is. I guess it kind of is based on the way it, it became. Um, that would be relatively easy, though. That would be easy because you don't. There, there's no because that would still be an Earth-based thing. So, so you wouldn't have to come. You wouldn't have to do a lot of heavy lifting to come up with a why they'd be working together and how they'd be working together. So that's probably pretty. That's a pretty plausible one. Uh, Green Lantern and uh, Animorphs. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of all. You got, a, you got a lot of. As long as it's not Green Lantern and My Little Pony, we'll be okay. Uh, well, no, with the Animorphs, you had the Antholites and then the whatever the villains were, the the leech things that plugs that came in your right. hand. So aliens messing with 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 humanity and you know stuff like that, and the Green Lantern Corps gets involved trying to stop the invasion or whatever. So that's cool. Um, I, th- I thought of Goosebumps, and I was like, "No, nah, that wouldn't make sense." But then I thought, Justice League Dark and Goosebumps. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> the, the Night of the Living Living Dummy and <laughs> all that, the ooze monster from Mars, like all that stuff. Uh, <laughs> say cheese and die. <laughs> That'd be all fantastic. Uh, just. No, my my main one that in terms of making sense with with you know the whole space angle and all that just would be would be uh, the Transformers because there have been Transformers. I think there was a Transformers Ghostbusters crossover recently. So 
it's 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 not outside of the realm of possibility. So yeah, those are I think those are all everything we throw we threw out or at least are some through some decent choices anyway. <clears throat> all right, uh, we're not even done with this first page. We should probably get to it. Um, so Dowd uh, at Dowfac. Uh, wrote in, and his first question is, give a Power Ranger a ring other than green, and why? Uh, it's been a long time since I saw anything Power Rangers. Not even but I, not even counting the uh, the Toys That Made Us thing, if you actually watched that one yet. <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, I remember red being a hothead, so red is a red. I mean, I know that's, I know that's like super easy um i remember green being a bit of a hothead too but i i I say red is red red is a red lantern i don't know maybe maybe give maybe give kim kimberly uh give the pink ranger a a sapphire ring i don't know not just not being sexist but i don't not for that reason uh i i i don't know i don't i don't i never watched the power rangers or any kind of I did watch the only thing in the Power Rangers I remember watching was I did think was it their second movie with the the ooze the uh, Ivan ooze one I, th- I didn't remember that I, I remember the I remember the movie with the with the white the white Ranger and the Tiger Zord and all that that's the only one I remember it wasn't that the first one I probably was because it doesn't sound familiar to me but but the Ivan ooze one which I think was the second movie using you know the you know the classic Power Rangers, if you will, for the most part. Uh, that movie I do remember watching, and I, I did watch the reboot, which actually, which is the only reason I know I, I knew who Naomi Scott was. Not that I watched Aladdin, but when she was cast for that movie, it's like, oh, I know who she is, because that's the only reason why I know who Becky G is, because I don't listen to her music, but I know but I know I liked her in that movie. Uh, so I, yeah, I'm, a, I'm not really that familiar with the but the characteristics enough, but yeah, let's just give the Pink Ranger a sapphire ring just because it probably fits based on what I remember about better character. Uh, so let's make Lord Zed uh, a Black Lantern. <laughs> uh, anyways, all right. Uh, what's the next question from Dowd? Uh, if you had to pick a GL representative for Young Justice slash Team uh, for a Young Justice slash Team Titans S team, who would you give a ring to, or would you just pick Young Arisia? We should just say we, uh, we should just say younger Rissia. So figure the speeds. The only kidding. It speeds up the question. Again, I don't. You go. You go. I. 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 I'm a. Other than the current Teen Lantern, so Marley. Uh, I don't know. Uh, so much of my time. Sadly, so much of my Teen Titans knowledge goes back to Teen, teen Titans Go now, which is so embarrassing. But it's. Uh, I have the Cartoon Network on all the time in the living room when I'm not home for the cats, so I, that show is on constantly. <laughs> so if I so if I had to pick a member of the team t- of that group to give a to give a ring to, um, well, I think it means uh, just pick a representative from the core to join the team. That's the way I took that question. Yeah, so I could answer that. Well, no, too. it says it says who would you give a ring to? Okay, never mind. I, I agree with you. The way it started, the way the question started, let let it to your interpretation, and then yeah, I don't know. I let's let's um, let's see. Because Somar Lee makes sense because she's a kid. 
So that's the last prominent kid lantern I've seen besides Teen Lantern. That's true. You're right. She she would be she would be cool based on sticking an existing Green Lantern in into the, in one of those groups. Now, if we were giving a ring to somebody in one of those groups, I want my heart cries out to give one to Raven, but I don't know which one I would give her. That's the thing, because again, I my 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 knowledge of her personality only comes from Teen Titans Go, and I don't know if that necessarily helps me to know which ring she would be more naturally suited for. Obviously, you want to see Beast Boy with a green ring, but um. Yeah, uh, maybe Cyborg is a Blue Lantern. That version of Cyborg. Yeah, that's true. And what would you think? What would you think Star would be? Would either she would be either she could be a Sapphire or a Hope too, couldn't she? Couldn't she be hopeful? Yeah, because she's not because she's so because she's so innocent because she's got the innocence to her. Yeah, <sighs> that version of her. Yeah. yeah. She could be a red one if you went for yes, a full Cameranian yes. warrior. <laughs> yes. Um, I guess I guess you could also give Robin a green one. Seeing seeing her in an uh, given her like costume history and, and the costume color, seeing her as an indigo lantern would be cool, but I don't, it wouldn't make sense. Well, you know, if she had if she was in full control of her faculties, maybe because. Star is a compassionate person, especially that version of her. Well, also Robin on that show. I'm thinking about it. Robin. You can make a case based on the way he's written on that show. Anyway, could be he could be an Orange Lantern because he does have a lot of jealousy and stuff in him. <laughs> and it, it, it is kind of all about him a lot of the time. So you could kind of see that version of Robin also being an Orange Lantern. Though I know the question isn't asked about Teen Titans Go, but again, my. That that's where my mind when I when I think of that that's where my mind goes. I apologize, Dowd, but that's 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 all you got out of me. <laughs> all right. Are you surprised we never got a Green Lantern using their ring to make a lightsaber like in Spaceballs? <laughs> Haven't we had swords though? Haven't we had some yeah. swords used? Um, uh, I see Schwartz is as big as mine. <laughs> I guess if we're surprised, it would only be because it's so it'd be so easy to do, kind of like what they did in in uh, using your fa- your favorite one of your favorite characters, Captain Universe, when uh, and yeah. that, that first issue, the the, Dit- the Ditko right, the Ditko issue when uh, Coffin's son became ca- the second Captain Universe, and then one of the first things he did was make a lightsaber because he was because because he was a Star Wars fan. So we kind of made that reference. Kind of made the reference, which was easy to do at the time because Marvel had the rights to the Star Wars books, so it wasn't really much of a problem. <laughs> so I guess I don't think it's that surprising. They, I think we tried. I think they tried to show the a little bit more creativity with their constructs. So not that not that we haven't seen common things, but they try to do common things, maybe in a, common concepts, but taken to like dialing it up to eleven. So maybe if that's maybe that's the reason why. Alright, what's next? Uh, is Galaxy Quest truly the best Star Trek movie? I know some people have made that argument. I understand conceptually why tongue somewhat planted in cheek why people can a- can ask that question. Like I said, it's not entirely tongue in cheek, but they've well, there's some but there's also a legitimacy to that question, I, I get why because because every because it kind of it 
because it plays on the real concept of what Star Trek was supposed to be about, but also riffs on what Star Trek became and, and, and the interpersonal squabbles and everything. I like Galaxy Quest, but I, I don't think I would still I don't think I would say that's the best Star Trek movie ever made. Uh, unfortunately for a lot of listeners, I'm not a big Star Trek guy, so I can't make that call. And it's been a long time since I've seen Galaxy Quest. Um, so can't tell you. Um, next question. Uh, favorite character from Beast Wars? You can't say Dinobot, but feel free to talk him up. <sighs> this is all so this I, is all you because this, this means this, this means nothing to me. It means nothing to me either, unfortunately. Um uh, Best I got for you, Dowd, I looked up Beast Wars characters, um, and I'm going to say Depth Charge because he looks cool. <laughs> That's all I got. I'm sorry, man. I, I, I just got through saying earlier how I'm not a big fan of the Transformers property, and it wasn't like a big draw for me as a kid. So Beast Wars, same thing, same reason. I'm sorry. <laughs> not, not in my wheelhouse. All right, so that's uh, that's it, I think, from Twitter, and now we're moving on over to Facebook. I was trying to see if I could pick another one for him, but no, okay, we'll move on. I I, we, I owe you one, Dad. Remind me, I'll do some research and come up with one. Uh, all right, so we're on to Shane. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're going to do all these, well, it's basically one question, so I'll do them all together. What do you think was the point where things started to go downhill to the point that DC felt that it was necessary to retire Hal Jordan as Green Lantern, resulting in Emerald Twilight. Was it just falling sales during the Gerard Jones run, or did it perhaps go back further? And then we'll do the second part. Um, I think it obviously goes back further because because the book because Green Lantern got canceled before the, even before the Gerard Jones run. Uh, Green Lantern. So I even though I was not reading the book before the Gerard Jones run, and obviously. Technically, I wasn't reading the book during the Gerard Jones run because I went. I, I started when Kyle became Green Lantern, and then retroactively started collecting first the Gerard Jones run, and then bits and pieces from of of different eras. Um, I think it was a combination. I think first of all, you have to look at where DC was at the time. DC was, for better or for worse, DC, DC was going through the phase of it's time to. All these characters are old. They're stale. We need something new. These characters aren't re- people aren't relating to these characters the same way, and or the and or the sneaky little subtext, which is people don't appreciate these characters, but they will once we take them away. It's like what do you, it's like you don't know what you got till it's gone. It's like people take these characters for granted and they don't appreciate appreciate them. So we're gonna screw around with them, screw them up, take them away, and guess what? People are gonna be clamoring for them back, or when they come back, yeah, people are gonna be super excited and happy. So that was the era that was going on. Now, Hal is a di- Hal is a slightly different story because of the fact that Green Lantern is a concept. Clearly, you didn't have to have Hal as the only Green Lantern or being the focal point. He had been since they, you know since the Silver Age. He had been the main focal point, but you always conceptually could have moved Hal out permanently if you wanted to because the core led itself to the concept of. Anybody else coming in, know somebody new coming in, and they did that before. Let's be honest, they did that before. They moved Hal out, and he came back. So they, so the, so probably the incentive to get Hal to make sure that to make a change, I think, more permanent, they had to give a reason where Hal couldn't just come back in a year or so because hey, they need him, or he wanted to be Green Lantern again. And it was following the trend of the death of Superman and Nightfall. Yes, what they, to be honest, what they did with Hal was the most 
dramatic, honestly, because Superman, they always, they always knew Superman was coming back, and they always knew Bruce Wayne as Batman was coming back. But their plan all along was for, I mean, for the foreseeable future, was Hal not to come back. So that was that. So that was a little unique. That was unique to that. They decided to put that Hal was a pretty stale character. Probably not overly relatable with his origin anymore. He was an older character, especially with the Great Temples and all. He looked older than he really was too. So they wanted to give a char- create a new character that was more relatable. Thus, a, the Peter Parker with Green Lantern ring concept that we got with Kyle. And then, obviously, we, we know from talk from because it's kind of legendary at this point. But plus from, plus from talking to Ron and talking to, to Daryl, that even when Ron got first got the book, he didn't really know what was the plan. He thought he was going to be writing Hal, so they told him, "Hey, guess what? This is what you get to do, and you got three issues to do it in." So, I think there was a lot. There, DC had made there, all those factors played into why it was not. I don't think it was anything in particular about the Gerard Jones run. That it certainly wasn't the Gerard Jones alone, run alone that, that brought this on. It may have been the icing on the cake, and that might have been in their mind's eye. The Gerard Jones might have been the last, you know, throwing it, throwing it against the wall to see if it sticks with the same basic character before we have to do something different. And then everything fell into place because we've talked about Gerard Jones' version of Emerald Twilight, which would have been pretty interesting too. But it, but even that, which would have had Guardians versus Guardians and things of that nature and two cores fighting each other, a true war of the Green Lanterns, even that wasn't considered a big enough shakeup for DC. So, <coughs> excuse me. I don't have really anything to add to that. You kind of touched <laughs> on it a bit. The answer, Shane, is sales. Uh, that's just because you you mentioned it, Mark. We've had conversations with Daryl and Ron, but we've also had conversations with with Denny O'Neill and Denny himself was one of the editors in charge of the decision for Emerald Twilight. And he said it was because of sales. So, I mean, that's about from as the horse's mouth as you can get. Uh, So it was sales that it happened. Um, But Green Lantern has also had, and we've said it multiple times before. I've said it multiple times before. Green Lantern has had an up and down sales history. You know, you got your 60s uh, spikes with the high sci-fi and stuff, and then it starts going downhill towards the end. That's when Julie Schwartz says, hey, Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams, let's do this Green Lantern, Green Arrow thing. Bam, shoots right back up. Social relevance, comics get real, um, that sort of a thing that goes down. Uh, and don't forget, like Mark mentioned, the time that uh, Green Lantern was not in publication anymore, uh, referring to uh, no title, but there he was appearing in Action Comics Weekly. Back in the past, guess what? Green Lantern was canceled at one point and was appearing in Backups in the Flash. So, like, there it was, there's been a couple of times that Green Lantern has been out of publication history, then back in the zeitgeist, then out of publication history again. Uh, the reason for Emerald Twilight was sales, but, I mean, it could have really been anything because if you look – I don't think any character has more of a – more of a super defined up-and-down bell curve sort of a thing in, ter- uh, in terms of publication – success and failure than uh than green lantern it's been it's been very clearly up down up down up down yeah i think that that pretty much so though i think those are pretty much all all the reasons so yes it was sales and the drone the jones drone was not you know putting 
putting butts in the seats, but it's not like – but it had it's been a decline. The character had been in decline. The interest in the character was in decline along with that, and everything seemed ripe for a, a revamping of the character, and it just – everything fell into place, certainly with the era that it was in with Nightfall and Death of Superman and Reign of the Superman and everything else. Yeah. All right, Shane's other question. What made you a Green Lantern fan? Um – for me, uh, and I've said this before, and it maybe my story changes a little bit. Obviously, you know, everybody at this point knows my history of, of comics and how I got into Green Lantern in terms of actually reading. But why it appealed to me, I don't know. I've just always personally liked the idea of characters where they themselves aren't the power. I mean, it, the power is something that happens to them um, or, or, or is given to them. Um, in the case of Green Lantern in the ring. Uh, now, obviously with Thor, it's a little bit different because it's not like his power is only the hammer. He's a god. Um, but the thing that the, the, Thor has a bit of that component because you then have things like Beta Rebuild and Thunderstrike and stuff like that who weren't uh, gods or anything. They just got the hammer and be, were bequeathed godlike powers. Ragman, regular guy, gifted a magical suit of souls. Um, so all of these, all of these characters I really like are just characters that this power is something that happened to them. You could sort of even make the case, even though that, even though it's 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 a stretch. Firestorm, in a way, uh, you know, Ronnie Raymond and Professor Stein caught up in a nuclear explosion, and only when they merge together do they form Firestorm. Uh, but they're regular guys outside of that. Like Ronnie by himself doesn't have powers, neither does Stein. So, like, you know, that this just that idea of of regular people uh, being given powers. I don't mean that, uh, which which is interesting because. I, don't get me wrong. Everybody likes Batman to the extent that you like Batman changes. And obviously, you know, I, I'm making being super general here. I'm sure there are people out there who can't fucking stand him. But <laughs> just generally, generally speaking, it seems like everybody likes Batman. It's just a matter of to to what extent do you like Batman? And I just you'd think that he would appeal to me because he's a, a regular person. But like, he doesn't. I, I definitely I like bats and there are certainly stories and, and parts of his mythology. I absolutely love, but uh, Batman isn't just like, isn't one of my most favorite characters in the universe. I like the supernatural, the sci-fi powers with regular people. So you get green lantern, you get Thor to an extent you get, you know, you get my, the, the Ragman. Um, so uh, venom, Eddie Brock, regular dude, symbiote, boom. Uh, you know, so a, a lot of my favorite given extraordinary supernatural or sci-fi powers. Um, and uh, I just like the idea that one day this thing can fall into your lap and change your world. And I'm sure I'm sure there's some psychological aspects to that. And, you know, just the idea of wanting to be someone else or wanting something to just happen that magically changes your life. You know, that's probably part of the reason some people like fantasizing about winning the lottery, you know, and you just this, this one day, you know, this fat wad of cash is going to come falling out of the sky and just change everything, you know, and just, it's just a fantasy aspect. I, I, I really do enjoy it. And now beyond that, I just like, 
I like the I like the characters. I like Hal. Uh, I like Kyle. Uh, I like later edition renditions of Guy. I like uh, I, I miss architect John Stewart. They did. They're going so marine with him. I just I don't have a problem with that. But like I, I miss architect John Stewart. Uh, I'm just going to say that. Um, but you know, yeah, just, uh, I just I I like the world. I like the fact that. Green Lantern has, you know, and we say it in one of our promos, like Green Lantern is the history of the DC universe entire. Uh, they are a huge part of the reason crisis happens in the first place. I mean, if you look at the the birth of the anti-monitor and the monitor and the just the multiverse in general and the antimatter universe and how all that was, how was that created? Bam, it's right there on my wall. Green Lantern 40, the origins in there. Show us what happened with Krona and everything like that's that's why you get the multiverse, why you get crisis, you know, all this stuff. You know, uh, he's a founding member of the Justice League. Alan's a founding member of uh, of the um, of the JSA. Uh, speaking of Alan, the Starheart. I mean, goddamn, the Starheart. Ha- forget the major stories. What about all the like tangential ways the Starheart is involved in some magical corner of the DC universe? Uh, the fact that the Starheart was the Guardians just rounding up a bunch of magic into a coalesced form and how that impacted the magical world of the DCU. I mean, I'm just, just – there's so many tendrils from the Green Lantern mythos that just reach out to all these other touch points, and I like that. So that's that's why I like what I like. Uh that's a better explanation than I'm probably going to give at this point, or certainly sounds better anyway. So damn you, Chad Bokeman. Uh, as I've said, when I started, I, I when I became a Green Lantern fan was after Emerald Twilight. So I didn't become a I didn't become a Hal fan until I started reading Kyle, which isn't which is an indictment on Kyle. It just made me more interested in what had come before. So my interest in Hal started was even before Zero Hour, long before we we kind of knew that Hal was going to be, I think, the bad guy of of Zero Hour. Uh, but concept, so I, I like the idea of the ring. Just conceptually, I like the idea that you know, kind of like that little prologue that I read when we did Emerald Twilight, the thing that that was in the original graphic novel, Emerald Twilight, that about about the ring that tr- that truly you could you know pretty much it had a uh, you could you could you could do any, paraphrasing loosely that you know you, you as long as your will was strong enough that pretty much you could do you know you could do anything with it that there were no real limits to the ring so if you really wanted something bad enough you could as long as you had enough will you can make it happen so i liked that as a as a concept i think that's a very very interesting concept and i liked and because of how and because of Hal's parallax which i found is a very 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 interesting character the which was never one hunt was never explored as w- well as it could have, and as we've seen over the years, whenever people have tried, with the exception of, with the exception of I think when Jorgens wrote him, and that uh, Booster Gold Zero Hour pseudo crossover flashback issue, that, and even then it was they had they they had to throw in some kind of some retcon crap to tie it into the Jeff John stuff. I'm sure he, he felt obligated to do that, but the reality is. Nobody really gets, nobody really got uh, Parallax from a writing perspective other than Ron Mars and Dan Jurgens, I think, writing him in a way that made sense. 
and as a hero, as a as a anti as a fallen hero, that he still and what was driving him forward was still the same core. Same core values were inside of him. He just was looking at things so differently. So I, I, not that I've ever done anything as as dramatically bad as Hal has, but I think almost everybody can relate to either doing something bad or, at the very least, doing something for the right reasons that turned out and the results turned out horribly, or being judged, being viewed as having done something really, really bad, or being when you re- really aren't bad. People are being misinterpreted. People are being misunderstood. And I'm not saying Hal was 100% misunderstood as Parallax, but I'm saying there was a, there was a relatable path there. There, was, there were dominoes that were... Now, was Emerald Twilight set up as, as well as it could have been? No, because they gave Ron Mars three issues to do it in. A, a longer fall from grace would have made more sense. More, it would have been more believable. So those those are the main the main reasons why I became you know I became a Green Lantern fan and when I became a Green Lantern fan. All right, what's the next question? Juan Carlos uh, from so it's a hello guys. I used to listen to you and I stopped, but why? <laughs> he of course yeah funny no pun intended. He says I don't know why. Shame shame Juan Carlos. <laughs> but I have come back. Good. Well, my question is if DC came to you to. To write a Green Lantern story, what would you write? That's a tough. Well, let's see. For me, there's a bunch of different ways I could go about this. Sticking with the main, my main theme for the evening, apparently, I would like, to, I would like to have done an Elseworlds story in which Parallax succeeded. I would like to have done. I would, I would like to have seen that story to see a an alternate, an, like a what if, basically a what if if Parallax succeeded and. Uh, you could say it could be very boring, but of course you could. I'm sure it'd be very easy to write something that wouldn't be very boring uh, about that. So that's one thing I would like to see. Uh, I would like to. I would like to delve into the um, the the reservoir, the emotional spectrum, more, and what ha- you know, how that how what it really is, how it was replenished, basically. No offense to Robert Venditti, but I would like to undo the the limited. Yeah, I would like to undo the limited the limited reservoir concept. So that's be one. That would be one thing, and I certainly would like to re. I would like to revisit, which maybe maybe finally the Doomsday Clock is supposed to end in December. That maybe we'll actually be able to do something with the Blue Lanterns again, since I. I I think we naturally assumed it had to do with Doomsday Clock somehow while they were taken off the board when Robert Venditti kind of sent non-confirmed confirmed that you know the, the Blue Lanterns being off the board the way they were was kind of an editorial decision not a not a not a writing decision. So I would like to bring the blue bring Saint Walker and the Blue Lanterns back, even if it wasn't resurrecting the old core though. I guess now I would I would do that and now that that concept was thrown out thrown out there and how in the core book the idea that oh. Kyle should have been able to resurrect Worth and all those other people. That yeah, I would like to. I would think I would bring back, bring back the original Blue Lanterns along with everybody else Saint Walker has recruited in the meantime. So, uh, I've actually started writing a story about this uh, a while back. I never, I, I never ended up finishing it or coming back to it. I can't remember if I got like a page or two into it or what, but. What I would have been wanting to see to the point where, like I said, I almost started writing it or I did start writing it myself 
was um, so we've seen the story of how Kilowog uh, started. You know, he went from recruit to Green Lantern. Um, we've seen that uh, in comics, and we've seen that same comic adapted in the um, the uh, Old Knights uh, animated movie. Um, but what a, a story I would like to see that I don't know if we've seen for sure in Green Lantern, and if if we have, maybe it was just so long ago or so briefly or in various chunks that uh, it could easily just be retconned into something else. Uh, I would like to see the story of what Kilowog did to earn being the trainer of the core. That's the story I want to see. Um, yeah, I tried to find it the other day and I don't know where it is. Uh, it's obviously on a digital file somewhere, but which flash drive it's on, where it's stored, I don't freaking know. Um, but, uh, I did start writing that, that, that story. Uh, the other story I started writing, uh, that I've been slowly kind of thinking about building up, drawing a map for and all this stuff was a, uh, a, a ragman story too. Um, but, uh, yeah, those are the two stories in the DCU I've ever like wanted so badly. I started writing them myself as a ragman story. And then the story of how Kilowog went from regular Green Lantern to earning being the trainer of the Green Lantern Corps. Alrighty. It certainly would be interesting. Yeah, for sure. We got an email from Paco. Paco says, since Chad opened it up for extra questions, I'll add mine. Uh, Mark mentioned that not my Star Wars feeling with the current run of Green Lantern, of the Green Lantern. So my question, what is your Green Lantern era? Are there any runs you would specifically recommend? I've read most of the Jeff Johns run and a lot of Venditti's. Are there other runs or story arcs I should be looking for? Well, I'll I'll steal one of your thunder moments there. I I I would still probably recommend the Mars run, even though it's not obvious. It's probably maybe. Let me take let me amend my statement before I even make it. That the reality is, I was I was going to say, even though it doesn't really relate to a lot of what we know of a lot of what the core is now. But maybe that's the reason why it would be good, that why it even makes more sense to recommend it because it's hard. It's been so long now since the Kyle since the Kyle as the only Green Lantern era that it's hard to even believe that there was a time where they purposely chose to wipe out the Green Lantern core and just have one person be the entire core, one Guardian, one core. That. Besides the stories that were being told in that era, and and some, and there were some cool characters that were created in that era too. I would, I think the writing, the writing was, I think the writing was good, especially now having hindsight, knowing that a lot of some of the things that went down in that era, that at the time, basically Ron got blamed for, and he caught a lot of the heat, no pun intended, uh, for, which really wasn't his fault. You know, a lot of it was Dooley and, and the people higher up than him. Who were steering the ship in that direction, and he had to be the good soldier. And basically, he was the, he was on he was the one on the front lines carrying out the orders, but he was not the one, you know, creating the orders. I think that era itself, I think that would be, I think that would be good. And for my, if I, the answer to the question of what would be my era, if the if if the Mars era wasn't, I guess it would have to be the John's era 
It would have to be because, again, from a from a popularity perspective, from a Q factor perspective, from a, a just a presence in pop culture perspective, Green Lantern probably was ne- has has never been bigger, and sadly may never be bigger than it was during the Johns era. So I think that probably would be still my era. Pros and cons, even though not everything you did I liked. I'd have to agree with that. Uh, I didn't start reading until uh, right before Rage of the Red Lanterns um, uh, regularly. So in ter- if, if you were to say my favorite run in terms of looking back on fondly, obviously I haven't been reading long enough, but John's, but I, you know, like if I were outside of John's, John's run, I, I would have to agree the Mars, the, the Ron Mars, uh, Daryl Banks and, and uh, all that era, because I don't know. I just, if you were to ask me in terms of just like, what puts a smile on your face when you, th- what run puts a smile on your face when you think about Green Lantern? Like Kyle Rayner's run, uh, towards the beginning, a lot of the beginning stuff, uh, puts a lot of smiles on my face. Lots of great moments, lots of world building, uh, lots of, um, you know, what it means to be a lantern. I mean, you, you, you kind of start off there. Not what it means to be a lantern, but what does it mean to be a hero? But then you also get into what does it mean to be a Green Lantern and and all of that. Uh, you because it's one lantern and focused on one guy. There's a lot of interpersonal stuff. It's just really well done. Uh, so I, I, I would I would say that. Um, plus, plus, you have, as, plus you have a lot of uh, sorry. So you have a lot of a lot of those moments. Not all of them clearly. But a bunch of them come from the relation from things that play out between Hal and Kyle too, during the course of that run, and I think that's on both ends with uh, Hal trying to help Kyle, trying to help Hal in a way, but then Hal trying to help Kyle towards the end of it or the middle of it. So I, I the, the even though the, it's not there aren't that many issues of that series where Hal and Kyle are really together, but I think but they're important moments for both for both characters, and I think that. Which also paved the way for their natural, the segue of the and the changing of their relationship from in rebirth, too. Yeah. Um. Definitely up until one fifty. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The final like seventy twenty five issues or so, or that book was, com- or more than that, until it finished up in like the one eighties or wherever it finished up, or wherever. Yeah. It, that then it then it was a completely different tone in that book. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Um. You, the other question, uh, are there any other runs or story arcs I should be looking for? Um, you said you read uh, Jeff Johns's run. If you just read Jeff Johns's issues, uh, same era, Emerald Warriors. It's only 13 issues or so. I think Emerald Warriors is a must-read. Uh, New Guardians. Uh, the, the You can go with the whole thing, but uh, after the, the Justin Jordan run of New, New Guardians – um, the Red Lanterns after Guy Gardner joins the Milligan was first, right? Who who wrote Red Lanterns after Milligan? Soul. Yeah, Charles Soul. Yeah, uh, Charles Soul's Red Lanterns, fantastic. Um, Van Jensen's Green Lantern Corps, hindsight being twenty twenty. I didn't. Uh, under, we under we underappreciated it at the time. Which was not again. It wasn't all his fault because he because he was kind of number one. He wasn't really he wasn't originally supposed to write that book, 
and the fact that when he got that book, he was kind of like being – it was like under the stewardship of Robert Venditti. So he did – so it was only at the tail end of his run that he got to – started to do his own stuff and take it where he wanted to. And, of course, boom, uh, convergence. <laughs> yeah. um, I also think uh, you got to – you, you got you, you to read the, the Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams, Green Lantern, Green Arrow. Um, I definitely read 76, which is the first issue, the whole uh, – you know, what have you done for the black skins uh, sort of a thing uh, issue um, that definitely gives you a feel for what the tone of the series is going to be in terms of social, uh, you know, 1970s social uh, issues and stuff like that. So uh, just see if you'd, you'd be interested in it, maybe flip through it or something at the bookstore or the library or whatever. But I think as a, if you're if you're big into Green Lantern, I think you have to read it uh, now. When I say have to, I don't mean like you're not a real Green Lantern fan if you don't. Then screw that. But like, read seventy six and read eighty number eighty five and number eighty six, which is the Speedy doing heroin stuff, because those are the those are like the real important issues. And then after that, when John John Stewart's first appearance, there's a bunch of good stuff in there, and it's a lot of stuff that gets referenced randomly. I mean, like. You know, you're you're going to get Green Lantern, Green Arrow references for the rest of publication history. It's going to happen at some point. Someone's going to mention Green Lantern, Green Arrow. It's why they team up occasionally. You're just you might as well set yourself up for success in terms of recognizing the reference. So, um, you know, and it gives you a good idea of the history of where this character's been and what they've done with it. So, I think I think it's I think it's cool. Um, definitely definitely uh, check that out. And probably wouldn't hurt to read some of the early Silver Age stuff just to understand, just to get a balancing act and just again a a basic knowledge of of how not just how Green Lantern has changed, but how things what things have stayed constant. And it's cool to see like the 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 first appearances of some of villains that obviously now have become much different than they were then. But seeing Sinestro and we did about Tattooed Man not that long ago, Black Hand, things like. Things like that, seeing those characters appear, the shark, different things. It's, it's it's Silver Age books are cool. So at least like one of the first volumes of the of the collections of Hal's you know titles. Is it? And there's always shit that happens in the Silver Age. Like um, one of my favorite podcasts of all time was the Super Future Friends podcast several years ago. Several years ago, uh, where these two girls, uh, Adriana and Kristen, did a. Uh, did a, a recap of all the appearances of the Legion of Superheroes from their first appearance up until, you know, the end of the, the, the show ended up just kind of fading out. But it was always hilarious because like, so the first appearance of Monel, right? The first appearance of Monel is hilarious because any, well, first of all, looking forward a little bit, anytime you see Monel before he's cured of this, this lead poisoning and he's trapped in the phantom zone for. So as a Daxamite, he is obviously allergic to lead. They have the same powers of Kryptonians under a yellow sun, but they're allergic to lead instead of kryptonite. So he gets, and, and it's not like when kryptonite gets pulled away from Superman, he feels better with, with Daxamites. Once they're exposed to lead, that's it. Um, and he gets exposed to lead at some point, right? He gets trapped in the phantom zone. And it's like one day we'll find, We'll find a cure for you, Monel, and and get you out of the Phantom Zone. And he, you know, eventually he joins the Legion of Superheroes, who are the ones who find the cure for him. 
Well, the first appearance of Monel is how he gets this lead poisoning. What happens is his ship shows up. Clark, as Superboy, finds it, thinks it's his long lost brother, and then starts jumping to all sorts of wild conclusions that, oh, this is my brother, and blah, 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 blah. And then at one point something happens, and like his Monel's belt buckle or something doesn't look Kryptonian. And Superboy goes, he's been pretending to be my brother this whole time. This poor kid crashes in a spaceship, has amnesia, doesn't know shit. Clark tells him he's his brother and then (laughs) makes this wild assumption. And then this kid still having amnesia, Clark goes, oh, he must be pretending to be my brother. (laughs) He never said he was your damn brother. (laughs) So Clark, to put it to the test, puts kryptonite in a lead box and shoves it in Monel's face. So anytime you in the future, like in 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 issues past that in the Silver Age, see Superman or Superboy referencing poor Monel in the Phantom Zone, and how one day we'll get a cure for his poisoning, being poisoned by by lead. Superboy did it <laughs> by being a dumbass. <laughs> it's Superboy's fault directly. That Monel is trapped in the Phantom Zone. So, like, just the Silver Age in general is fantastic to go back to because whether it's Superboy or the Legion or Green Lantern, there's always some crazy weird shit happening in the Silver Age. And, like, with Green Lantern, it's the wild shit that Carol does. <laughs> just batshit crazy Carol Ferris <laughs> doing some crazy stuff. The stuff that they've made the ring do, like there's at one point, like Green Lantern does a lobotomy. <laughs> like, it's insane. <laughs> yeah, you just got to love the Silver Age. <laughs> All right. That's the next question. The next question is... Actually, he think he... he uh, let's see. Your favorite Lantern. Who is... Who is your favorite lantern, and what is it you're looking forward, looking for in the character that makes them? Or what is it? Uh, what is it you're looking for in the character that makes them work for you? It's awkward, but I think we, I know, we know where he's going with it. Uh, the good news about this one, it's open ended because it doesn't say Green Lantern. <laughs> Technically speaking, uh, Hal is my favorite Green Lantern. Uh, Saint Walker probably is my favorite Lantern period, because, and it's real easy for Saint Walker is because even though I, I'm still not, I'm still erasing some of the sad sack Saint Walker from the Venditti era because that's not as far as I'm concerned. As much as I know Robert likes Saint Walker, that's not super super depressed Saint you know in therapy Saint Walker is not really Saint Walker because uh, he's so noble and he's been through a lot and. You know, he he, much like Kyle, is basically is the, the torchbearer of his core because he keeps he keeps that flame alive, and he technically was the it was keeping the Blue Lanterns alive when he was the only one left. He still could be, for all we know, but but the point was he was going out there to, to create to get more. I think that's what he was charged with. Uh, Hal as my favorite because at the end of the day, even though we know they've retconned this too, so which is more realistic. To not necessarily being without fear, to overcoming fear, but the idea that Hal is just his willpower 
I still maintain a second to none. I know they had John Stewart almost out willpower the you know percentage wise the ring or whatever or max out the ring. But I think I think Hal to me is the strong the strongest willed, and he is the most experienced. He is the most skilled, and he may be. He may not. He's not the most creative, and he's not, and, and he's not the most strategic. But if, if you, but if at the end of the day, if you need to get something done, and you can only pick one of them, one of the, one of of the core four to get it done, it's still hard to bet on somebody over how to do it. So. Yeah. <clears throat> um. So my my top lanterns change. Number one and number two are interchangeable sometimes, but over the past couple of years, I think it's been more solidified. I think it's Allen, then Kyle, then, then Hal. Um, but sometimes Allen and Kyle switch places. Um, what am I looking for in Allen? Legacy and patriarchy. Uh, I don't mean that in a sexist way. I just mean... Alan is is one of the founding members of the Lee of, of the of the Justice Society. Um, is one of the first you know mystery men. Um, you know the the idea of him being like a radio guy in Gotham and you know all of that. You know you, you've got him falling in love with one of his villains, having kids, Jade and Obsidian, all the. All the, the fun stuff that happens like during the war and 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 all of that, just the tangential connection to the core, the the more direct connection retcon later on in like Green Lantern number nineteen, um, you know all these all these things and and you know he's he's one of the members of the JSA when like the new kids come out come in and they start training like Citizen Steel and and. Uh, mm. uh, What's her name? The witch, the girl in the green. Um, God dang it. The redheaded girl. What is her name? Anyways, uh, the new wildcat. Um, uh, just uh, all the new kids uh, on the block for the for the for the J for the JSA when like Jeff John starts writing it and that that sort of era. Um you know the the, the um the all star squadron and uh and those things that you know that make up uh that are, that are tied into that um Alan you know and his interactions with Kyle when Kyle gets the ring he becomes like a mentor to Kyle uh I just I just look for him being a father figure him being the elder statesman um those sorts of things I I honestly if if I were to prioritize it, I could only I could honestly almost give a damn about Alan being a hero, just him being the the guiding light for his family, for his team, for future generations of heroes. I really enjoy that. Nicely put, Chad. Nicely put. Uh, I'm trying to. It's killing me. It's killing me. What her names? What her name is? Just mm. it'll come to you, or or go, I'll Google it while we're doing up, while we're moving on. Yeah. And Paco, right. and Paco, thanks us for doing the show. So. Yeah, thank you so much, Paco. I think it's the first time we've heard from him, huh? 
And it's certainly the first time anyone's thanked us. No, <laughs> and probably will be the last. Uh, so now we've gone like two hours into the show, and now we get to the final hour plus, which will be all Dan Kurtzky all the time. <laughs> which is all right because Dan's got some. He's got some. Uh, got some winners here. You, all right. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. All right. So. Um, Bendis made a gold lantern in his Legion book. What emotion should gold be? Should Bendis invent invent a, an entirely new emotion that won't exist until the future and have that be gold? If you had to invent a new emotion, what would it be? You're not reading Legion, right? No. Safe to bet, if you've ever listened to the show, Mark doesn't give a diddly damn about the Legion. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> um, and issue two is already delayed. I, I find that so humorous. <laughs> uh, I have read it. Uh, there is a gold lantern. We don't get focused uh, much on him. We don't see we. He's there. We just don't see much of him. Um, and even in terms of like a full view. And I, I wanted to say full frontal, and then I. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's too much of a robe reference for tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Uh, there's a there's not much of a view of him, so it's it's hard to base on. I don't I don't like the idea of some random future promotion that just doesn't exist because it's the future, uh, you know. Um, I don't know. Um, I just part of me thinks that maybe it's not an emotion. Maybe it's just somebody who whipped up some tech to mimic lantern construct abilities. Um, but I mean, I guess we'll see. I. I, I know what you're trying to go for here, just like just having some fun going down a weird back alley, Dan. But like, I'm I'm obviously not one of the emotional spectrum haters. I like it, but I'm sort of done with the idea of adding more and more to it. Um, obviously, you know, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not able to think of every single potential possibility that could ever be done. So it's possible that they come up with some cool idea that I just really gravitate towards. But for the most part, I feel just kind of done with the idea of adding more to it. I think we're, I think we're good where we're at. Chad, you're ignorant slut. No, I'm <laughs> uh, let's see. Trying to, trying to go verbatim. I mean, uh, point for point here. If gold was going to be an emotion, see, I'm very, I read the second part of Dan's questions, and I think it's open to interpretation. As like, first, it sounds like yes, he's asking us to create an emotion that doesn't exist, which is like, how could we even do that? Because if we're, if we're unaware of the concept, how how could we create an emotion of it? But he also could he could also just be talking about basically are we creating creating another emotion that ties into the aspect basically another equivalent emotion, something we know of. But it doesn't exist as far as the emotional spectrum does currently. It doesn't have a corresponding power set, power color. But what should it be? I don't know. Uh, we know it can't. We know it can't be greed because that's already taken. So maybe joy or happiness. Maybe pure joy or happiness. Uh, that would be my bet. That would, if I was going to say what it should be, that's what I'd say gold should be. Uh, and again, if you had to. As far as inventing a new emotion, again, it would just besides just doing what I did in assign. I would only be assigning current emotions to a, to a color. Things we've kind of joked, toyed about, toyed around before. I mean, you have uh, 
So I, I, that's where I would go. But let's just for now, I would just say let's let's go with happiness or joy being being gold. Uh, so I really have to ask you the next question. That's why I almost took the first part of this. Go uh, for it, Chad. What's the best thing about Mark? <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's got these dreamy eyes. Uh, no, um, you know, I was trying to think about it just to give an honest answer. <laughs> he thought long and hard and he came up empty. Speaking of long and hard. Uh, and empty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll be here all week, folks. The way it's um, going, we may literally be here all week. Um, no, you know, um. It's kind of a catch-22 because both sides of this is good. So Mark, Mark Mark lets me, like, run wild but also reins me in, I think. like So, like, I'll have, like, a random idea for something, and it could be, like, right before we record. It could be during recording. It could be just randomly on a Monday, <laughs> like, in the morning or during lunchtime or something. Like, I – Given the jokes we just made, I hate saying it, but like I have these ideas and thought processes and like um, pushes for uh, episodes and scheduling things in spurts. It all comes in spurts. So like it's it's but it but he deals with that <laughs> like it it's not like, oh, here goes Chad again. <laughs> Can you just be more consistent about this, dude? But like I'll go off on these wild tangents about ideas for episodes and he's usually down for them, but he's also like very, very good at being like, well, yeah, but let's also look at the reality of the situation and also good at, he doesn't like outright say it or anything, but like making sure that he gets his input in there too. So I'm not just running wild going, and we can do this and we can do this and we can do this. And I feel like I'm just like taking the entire ship and steering it myself and not letting him have his say, and he's good about like making sure. I don't. I don't want to say because it because it, it, making sure his voice gets heard because it should be, and it already should be a part of that. But like making sure that he's not coming across like, "Hey man, I'm still here. Did you forget about me?" Or you know whatever, or making me feel bad for that or whatever. But like making sure that this stays a team effort. Does that make sense? I think it does. I I I I, pre- I appreciate you. I appreciate you saying that. Because I because it does happen, right? Like you, we won't talk for like a couple of days, and all of a sudden you'll just be like, "I've got like sixteen ideas." <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think yeah, I think just generally speaking, I think if I'm if I if I know or assume word of the episode today's tonight's word is assume. <laughs> if I, assuming I know where you're going with this, that yeah, there there are times when, out of the blue, and we and and you 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 framed it perfectly that yeah we haven't talked in a couple of days, and by a couple of days usually it means we could not have talked since we recorded last, and we may and we usually we tend to record on Wednesdays like we're doing right now, uh so we it could be like Monday so we haven't talked for almost a full week and then he goes. He has this idea or multiple ideas, and it's like, oh, this, and it's all that, and it's, and it's like, okay, and it's like, and it's like, I listen to what he has to say, and I process it, and it, and mind you, it's not usually what, it's not usually 
one of those things where this is my idea we're doing it tomorrow it's like because it's like no probably not depending on depending on what the topic is i mean some topics you can some topics if they don't require a, a lot of reading and or research then yeah you can you can pull it out of you know what and do it or else i don't i don't like going into something woefully unprepared it's one of those it's like one of those it's one of those dreams that luckily you don't i don't have I'm further removed from school, so it would make sense. But I don't have these very often. But still, once in a while, you'll have these dreams. I still have these dreams where, you, where you're back in school or something, and you have to take a test or a final. And it's like, oh, or you're late, or you don't know what room you, you have to go to, and you're scram. And it's like because that's your classic anxiety dream, <laughs> and that stems from from when you from, but specifically related to schools, from the always the fear of going of, of having. To do something that you're not prepared for, having being asked a question you're not ready for, and things like that. So I like as, as much as possible to at least have a workable knowledge of what we're going to talk about. I think I can BS a lot if I need to, and I don't mean I mean blatantly BS, but I think I like to think I'm smart enough and I'm deep enough to be able to pick up on things about a topic, and even if it's not necessarily super specific about it about like point A or point B that I can talk about it and, and bring something to the conversation. But yeah, he'll, he'll throw stuff out and it's like, okay, and then we'll, and we flesh it out. And I think even though I always have to be, because I had this issue with my mom, because I work with my mom, so that, that creates a whole another ball of wax right there. Uh, anybody who ever works, has ever worked with their relatives know that that's a really slippery slope at times. Because <laughs> there's a lot of baggage that comes out when you work with relatives that is not related to the job at, or at any given moment. It could not, the job could be a small point of what you're butting heads about. It's th- there are deeper issues. But I always, it's try to be the voice of reason. I try to always be the voice of reason, period. And sometimes that makes you be, be devil's advocate to something or to say, okay, but, but it also potentially opens the door for you to being viewed as negative when that is not necessarily what you're trying to be. Sometimes people give you an idea or you need to do this. Or, this is what we this is what we should do. But they're not, not aware of the process of how it's being done and your job is to implement it. So you have more concerns and you know what it like you're on the front another word for the episode, front lines. You're on the front line, so you know what has to get this is these are the steps in order to get the thing you just told me to do. These are the steps that have to that entail that. And you gave me like half a day to do it, and that might be tight. <laughs> so it isn't being negative. It's just point. It's just being. It can be construed that way, and for some people, it can be negative. I try to always balance the equation, and and. But I appreciate you. I appreciate you saying that. Well, we'll wait and see the next two questions. <laughs> well, like, well, well, you, well, luckily you kind of helped me with that because again the problem the problem with Dan's questions is we don't know entire it's open to for considering how specific Dan was about a lot of the other questions and maybe this is, maybe this was part of his fun what ha, the questions were asked vague enough to, about for us about each other that it's open to interpretation did he mean on a personal level <laughs> did he mean from a I mean I mean I'm not being legitimate. Does he mean what do you like from a personality perspective as a person? What do you like about person A? What do you, the most about person A? Or from a working in a partnership perspective, what do you like about person A? Because those might not be the same things. And especially if you're asking what you don't like about person B, A or B, they definitely could be different things. But that's part of that's part of Dan's charm here with these questions. 
Uh, all right, so let me do the next. Let me do the next question. Uh, if Kyle and Sora got back together and she get and she gets pregnant, what would the two of them do? Considering they've already seen the future version of their son grow up to be just like Sinestro and then die, but they had the baby. But they had the baby and they put it up for adoption. But they keep the baby and try to change the future. What if they have the baby? <laughs> it's a girl. I like that one the best. Well, I think number. Let's start with the last one. If they have the baby and it's a girl, then I think all the other bets are off because the future has already been changed. So you don't necessarily you can't assume all the other parts are going to fall into place because you now had a girl. There's no reason to believe if you if you believe again your view of fate and destiny that it, that the path is set for you that it has to be one way or the other. If you have a girl, then that already says hey that number one that shoots shoots that theory to hell because it should be a boy based on their what we know about them. But if it's a girl, even though to be honest it does not necessarily mean that because we don't know they didn't have another kid, right? We just know that yeah yeah. So but there's an asterisk on that. But assuming they only had one kid. And the firstborn, you know, and and the kid we saw in the Hal in the Core book was their firstborn. This time, if they had a girl, I think they're off the hook. I would suspect they would keep the baby and try to change the future. That's what I would say. I would agree with that. I think Sora would be more laissez-faire about it, and Kyle would be obsessing, at least towards the beginning, about trying to change the future. Like Sora would be like. You know, kind of like we'll interview in here and there. We'll just keep an eye out for things, but let's just enjoy our baby or whatever. But Kyle, while agreeing with that, would still also be obsessing about it for a while. I think she might obsess about it too because of the fact that he denied her he denied her that knowledge when they were fighting. So she might feel more obsessed about her time with the child and how on some level it might make her feel more obsessed with trying to get things right. With the child, which also could then become the horrible self-fulfilling prophecy of because you're trying to prevent something from happening, you end up making it happen. So right. I could, I could, so I could see, I could see that, I could see that on on, bo- on both ends, and I could also see Kyle, I could, I could see Kyle also being a little cold and being a little reluctant to bond with the child because of what, but I don't know, but I, but but given all those choices. And assuming it wasn't a girl, which was nice, I like that thro- that other option. I think they would just try to keep the baby and change the future, even though I think the biggest problem in this is the idea of Kyle and Sora getting back together again. <laughs> We've seen stranger things happen, but that would, is, that's going to be the biggest obstacle. I mean, having a kid is just, oops, anything can happen there. But uh, I think that's, that's going to be a tough one. Yeah. All right, Mark. What's the worst thing about Chad? <laughs> oh, jeez. See, and I and I told Jim this because it just seems so appropriate. On so many levels, it seems like a Jim question. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I mean, and I don't mean it because I don't think Dan's capable of asking that. But the idea of asking of asking the you know taking the opposite tack and asking the one side of the coin question to the other person and then asking the other one toward and of course because if it was Jim asking it, it would it would seem even more appropriate that I'd be he'd be asking me a negative thing about you as opposed to the opposite uh don't forget man they both picked on me yeah <laughs> i know but that's true and we do, and to be fair we do we interact even though i we should i mentioned this to Dan we should have Dan Dan should be come back on the show, uh, too. Uh, 
Not not just having them both on, which is always fun. But Dan, especially as his, since he has his own podcast again now, he should he absolutely should be coming back on the show. Uh, so there's this was a tough question because then again my when I naturally saw this both of these questions, I looked more of a personal nature, uh, which was a slippery slope, which is why I was not gonna. But as as Chad and I we kind of talked, we we talked just joking around the other day and it did kind of remind me of something which is which is true i mean so I'll, i will go with this because it's because it's a pet peeve and i guess pet peeve would technically qualify have we not talked we've not no, talked about this i think we had, no we, i think we have talked i think i, I don't think i think it was ever, ever so briefly because i think yeah you and i've talked about it but i don't know if we talked about it on the show i think i did because i think you said i think you said it and i think that's i think i just kind of I didn't 100% go off, but I, 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 I go off like I usually do unless it's a rant on a topic, which is like I try to have the humor in it but get the point across that there's, there's, there is some truth to my displeasure underneath it. Uh, so the so the worst thing slash habit <laughs> that Chad has had over the – God, we've been doing this over, over for six years now. Uh, I broke this habit though, right? What? I've broken this oh, habit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that, okay. that's why almost that's why it kind of slipped my mind, and and because we talked about it, it makes it easier not to. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That for the longest time, for the longest time in the first few years, certainly of the show, and didn't you do it again when we went on Doctor DC? I'm pretty sure you did. Uh, but either way, the point is that Chad would always have this interesting revisionist history way of talking about how you, he and I became host of the show. And the 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 origin would essentially go that once that Chad got quote unquote basically paraphrasing Chad got the show and once he got the show he decided to bring me on <laughs> like like it was like a it was just Chad's decision or it was already Chad's solo show at that point to do with as he liked and then I just kind of came I came along after the fact not you know, not like it was a not like it was a package deal or anything. <laughs> And the reality is, well, yes, I think the reality is Chad continuing on the show was <laughs> was a done deal before Jim and Dan announced they were leaving. It's not true to say Chad was the one who solely decided to bring me on. That Jim, I am the benevolent god. <laughs> that, that, that Jim and Dan had a big role in that, too. and yeah. And – and technically speaking, if I remember correctly, it was Jim who asked me whether – it was Jim who – I guess after – obviously after discussions between the three of them, but Jim's the one who, who technically, I believe, asked me to come on. And yes, if, 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 if Chad – obviously, if he had thought based on just our rudimentary knowledge of each other at the time that if he really didn't think we were going to get along, then he probably would have voiced opposition – and probably, despite all kidding aside with Jim and Dan, probably that would have held a lot of weight because Chad was the one who was going to have to record with me. So, but so basically, it was more, it was not, it was a group process that brought me on, and it was a done deal before Jim and Dan announced they were leaving, which all occurred in the same episode. But they knew they were leaving first, but yeah. before I knew, and you probably knew they were leaving first too. But before a new team was even put. to a new team was put together before it was announced to the world. Let's put it that way. So there was never – so it wasn't – So, and and Chad did have a tendency to 
constantly go back to the well with that story, which which is one of those things where sometimes you wish this was a video podcast because every time Chad would do that, like it's like for it would just eventually just go from my from my from my eyes rolling to my eyes rolling and my head shaking to eventually what I'm pretty sure I don't remember what episode it was, but I but I do think eventually I did say something to to you about it, even though it may have been after the fact. Maybe you had said it like the episode before, and then I kind of alluded to it because it annoyed me. In a joking fashion, but I brought it back up again. But I, I'm pretty sure we did talk about it. But that no, we, was, but, we we definitely hashed it out off air, and I was oh, like, yeah, wait, yeah. But, and, and, and like I knew I was doing it, but like I didn't realize I was doing it, sort of, like because you know, the context is definitely helpful. But it wasn't like that was the process on air. Like I'd be telling the story is like, and then Dan and Dan and Jim left, and then I got the show, and I brought Mark on, and then we like it was just like. It, it, we didn't really like go into it. It was just like a string of like, it, like a chain of events back to back to back. It's not like I, I, I harped on any one side of that, but yeah, the, the essentially when they told me in a in, in a group Facebook message that hey they were going to be stepping away, in the same breath of that was like all right, well then who's going to be my co-host? If if I'm going to be staying on the show and those two are leaving, you know, I, it, it's never good to just talk into the ether by yourself. Uh, I mean, you can try, but it doesn't always work out very well, uh, which is why, like, even on, like, the Action Comics Weekly show or on uh, Creative Credit, obviously there are sections of that, large sections of that where I'm talking to somebody else. But I always feel awkward doing even the intro and outro as as either side of that because I'm just talk, talking into feels weird um but no it was it was in the same breath of okay we're two leaving that just leaves chad it, it wasn't like well chad would you like to do it by yourself or would you like to have a co-host it was just like no no, no. well if you could i gotta talk to somebody we gotta we gotta have a, a back and forth here and plus at the time i was still the newbie i mean i still i mean relatively speaking i'm still still new to the character of green lantern i've obviously learned a lot in the past decade but Mark has more knowledge on the merchandise side. Mark's been reading for a lot longer than I have. We've had Mark has been on the show before and you know he's well so it was it was the Facebook game. It was wasn't it an episode of Blackest Night? Yes, yes, we did we did a we did a Blackest Night episode. Yeah, and there was a couple other times Mark showed up and the movie. there was we did, the, we did the non I know I was on the non-spoiler movie review of Green, yeah. Green Lantern. That's I don't really count that one. I mean, obviously you were there, but like that was one of the that's one of the, like the big group episodes where like a lot of listeners show up. No, that one like, wasn't that one wasn't that, I th- honestly, I don't think that one was, that was I don't think that one was that big. I think it might have been off the top of my head. I I thought it might have just been Jim. I don't, I'm trying to remember if Dan was on for some reason. I, it was either Jim I would think John Godwin was on that episode too. I don't really th- I don't. Th- I I could be wrong. It's been a while. I don't think that was one of those big like anniversary things or or Christmas things where we bring a lot of where they brought a lot of people on. I think that was relatively a relatively small episode. Not that it matters, but I'm just saying, just based on my recollection. <clears throat> but yeah, but ever since ever since Mark has had brought this up, I've been like consciously making sure, you know. Obviously now at this point, what was it like a year ago we had this conversation? Yeah, it's it's it's, it's probably cl- right around a. Are getting are getting close to a year ago now, so it's it. That's why when Dan first asked the question, it, it, in all honesty, it did it did not pop into my head initially. But from this for, from a discussion point perspective, it probably 
even for just from a lifting the behind the, the veil and lifting the behind the curtain thing, it probably it, prob- it probably is a relatively it's a good it's a relatively easy thing to bring up to discuss that people might find interesting, but it's not but it's not going to cause a civil war, cause a civil war two minutes after we get off the air. If it's not the first thing, if it's not the first thing that we that popped into your mind, do we need to have another discussion <laughs> off air about something I don't know about? Dan, ask a follow up question. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I, 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 you know, in, in, I'm, I'm constantly paranoid about things. I, I've, I've actually made a post about this recently on Facebook on my personal page at, at the office. You know, I'm constantly paranoid that I'm going to get fired, whether or not I actually deserve to or not. doesn't matter. Like a, something minor will go wrong and I worry I'm going to get fired. Uh, the main manager will come into the room and pull the other two lead team leads out for a private conversation. I'm like, oh, what did I do? Uh, you know, like I'm constantly paranoid that the worst actual actual thing is going to be happening. And I have I have a meeting once a week, every week with my team lead to discuss where things are at. How am I doing on the job? You know, any things I want to bring up, anything he needs to bring up to me about my performance, whatever. And they're called four one ones. And it's just like if anything if anything at all was going wrong, it would have been addressed by now in the 411. So I, I've, I've been trying to learn to take that sort of a thing into real life. Like if there's a problem, I assume someone would have brought it up to me by now. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm just going to try not to be paranoid that I'm taking Mark off every five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> because there are certain times where Mark will – I mean he could be out to a movie or he could be at work or whatever or he could just be sick or in a bad mood. Like he has moods like everybody else. So like there could just be a moment where he just seems short and I'm like, are you all right, man? You don't seem like you're very happy about this. Or he'll say something that seems like it reads a little bit weird on the Facebook message or whatever. And oh, does it now, Chad? Does it? <laughs> I'm yours. It's just at this point, like, hey, if he's got a problem with me, we already had the discussion about the pet peeve that he just mentioned. So I assume if he's got something he wants to bring up to me, he will. <laughs> that in group chats. You know I'm not a fan of group chats. No, that's – except for the one with Corwin, and even then you're not very oh, happy. I, I – I, I love Corwin, and I even said this. And again, I try to say things in a somewhat joking fashion. But when we had this conversation, not like a, a couple, like a week and a half or whatever it, it was, when I was, when, uh, yeah, it's been like sadly almost two weeks now since I since I was on vacation. Uh, that I because it's because it's Corwin because it's just the three of us, I tolerate it. But most of the stuff we talk about really doesn't need to necessarily be in the group chat all the time <laughs> but it's just the three of us so it's not as big a deal and it's not like it goes on constantly it's not like it's a constant group chat daily week after week over and over again but i'm not a huge fan of group chats because just like it even though it's slightly better it's like the concept of reply all it's asked number one it's asking for trouble to begin with <laughs> eventually Somebody's gonna hit reply all and say something that they shouldn't that they don't they don't want to reply all, but it's just yeah, it's it it's tough. But I you shouldn't mention that. You shouldn't have mentioned that. I know I get I'm the one who gets picked on, but now that Jim knows that you've got a weakness, <laughs> he's he's going to create a group chat between like you, me, Corwin, Dan. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll see. I, I I don't think he actually will. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. Uh, it's me, right? Uh, yes. Uh, okay. 
every sci-fi thing deals with ooh, we got oh okay here's a pet peeve I gotta point this out <laughs> I've been Dan if you're actually listening to this and this is constructive criticism <laughs> you've because I've noticed you've done this a lot so I, it can't just be a typo when you're using weather in this context Actually, usually he spells – I think usually he spells it like weather weather. So I'm not sure. Maybe this one is a typo of a typo. His question is every every sci-fi deals with whether or not robots are real people with emotions. This is not being a jerk. This is the English major in me and trying to help you because like, I've seen this before. The weather you want to use in this case is W-H-E-T-H-E-R. I'm just saying that. Because uh, usually he does use the weather as in the outside weather one, I believe, because I've seen this before. So I'm just trying to help you. I know you'll probably get mad at me for saying it. I wouldn't have said it except now that I'm reading this out loud, it's like, oh, my God, I just saw it again. Dan, uh, start using the Oxford comma, too. I, 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 I apologize. Uh, so, yes, every sci-fi thing deals with whether or not robots are real people with emotions. Well, we know they're not people, but beings with emotions, I guess. Stell can use a power ring that taps the emotion – emotional spectrum but technically it's the emotional neutral willpower does Stell have emotions is he only able to use a ring at all because it's specifically a will ring that doesn't require other emotions could Stell use any other ring could Data or Terminator use rings would a power ring land on Data's finger during the episode Measure of a Man immediately end the trial in Data's favor uh, is, this is there's a lot of layers to this uh whether Stell could – well, obviously, I guess you'd have to say Stell could probably – it's likely he could use the Phantom Ring. <laughs> uh, the Universal Ring's a little trickier because the Universal Ring is – that was really a weird creation because it's not – because you still have to feel those emotions for it to channel them. So, But the, but the whole point – Well, yes, but I mean, you have to feel them, but like the way it seemed to work with that guy is like – it wasn't like a severe feeling. Like you just feel it a little bit, and like bam, <laughs> you've gone now from one percent to a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, because I'm. You go back to when Cornelius had it. He was he was highly unstable. But still, if you're incapable of feeling even one percent of the emotion, so it that would be the one the fan. So the but. But the phantom, but the phantom ring would be the easy, would, the, would be the most logical because you don't have to be the, have any any master of any of the emotional spectrum technically. But you still, but you still, but you still kind of feel it. So that's that's the other caveat because you go back to when uh, Leminski had it, whatever he when he felt different emotions, that's when he would change change. So that's still questionable. You don't have to master it. But I would still vote. I would still give the edge edge to the phantom ring over the universal. For Stell, uh, data would be different because obviously data had an emotional chip that could be put in. So if you could actually feel and act, if you could li- if you could feel emotion or process emotions as if you could feel them, which is maybe the best way to put it for a synthetic being, then yes, data could use a then data could use a power ring and data. Yeah, I'll let you take that one because, like I said, I'm not a Star Trek guy. I mean, I know who Data is. I've seen a few episodes. I know his mannerisms and all that stuff, but. I don't know enough to make a call on that. And one. I'm not a and I'm not a big next gen guy either. Uh, I actually wanted to start watching this on Netflix, but it's not at high def. That kind of makes it a problem uh, for me. Uh, it shouldn't, but it does. Uh, uh, looking at the at others, it de- it depends. I don't. I think most of most of the other robots probably could just use. They could use. They could channel will. Uh, 
they could channel Will, but I don't think they could. I mean, if you're talking about Terminator, it's hard to imagine. It's hard, based on things we've seen in the movies. It's hard to imagine that a T-800 Terminator couldn't channel Will, since they seem to be pretty strong-willed, whether they're good T-800s or, or you know, or bad. Uh, it seems like that having having strong will it seems to be a, a pretty standard. You can make the case in any Terminator model, but certainly in like the the, you know, the T-800 model 101, the Arnold versions that they seem to be especially strong-willed one way or the other. And well, but isn't there a difference, though, between will strong-willed and just, like, adamantly following your directive? Well, I think I think there probably is, but I'm just saying if, if you're going to try to come up with a, a way for something that was not techni- technically a lot – I mean, see, here, here'd be, here's another thing we could look at. We could look at the vision. I don't. We probably would have no doubt in saying the Vision could channel these certain parts of the emotional spectrum and use it in certain rings because he, even though he was not, he's technically not alive. He's not. A, he's not a. He he is alive, but he is not a. But he's not, but he's not organic. He's synthetic. Uh, I know a synthesoid is technically, but I guess his term. But but we but we also know the Vision is capable. And plus, he came from the original human. Well, the original origin was he came from the original human torch. Who also had emotion, you know. The, so, I I think I think that the better, the most, the simple. Well, maybe it's not the simplest, but the the best answer would be if 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 programming was advanced enough where where beings could at least process process situations and respond to them, even if it's via programming, and have rea- have reactions which simulate. Emotions and are the the mechanical equivalent of what emotion what as close to emotions as you could have in a being that is not organic. And programming could become that advanced that they could simulate that in a somewhat realistic fashion, naturally, not like oh now you must respond this way. No, that you that is just it's it's just naturally wired into them the same way. It's it's really wired into us in a different in a d- different way, but the same way is hardwired into us to react to certain situations. Most people with the same emotional reactions, uh, to varying degrees, but still you have similar reactions. Most people do. Then I think they could. Then you could probably have organic creatures that could use that could use power rings besides just green. I think it's I think it's possible. I guess that's. So possible, yes. I think the fallacy in Dan's central argument here, or, the, or at least the foundation of his argument, is using Stell as an example. Because I don't think Stell is your traditional robot. I think Stell is like some other lanterns in the DCU, is just a different idea, a different way to think about sentient life. Yes. Because it's, you know, as humans, we tend to put a microcosm on sentient life and think of it as a carbon-based life form. The Sure, the idea of a living planet is fun to us, and we can sort of grasp onto that. But if that was a reality, a living planet, that would completely redefine life. If you're talking about um, – if you're talking about uh, – the uh, what's it? I forget his name. What's the sentient math equation, Lantern? 
Oh God, I know what you mean. I just can't. Th- I can't think of it for the life of me right now. Yeah, there's a sentient math equation lantern, like just different, different, um, different ways of thinking about life in general. Because you're thinking beyond the limitations of the carbon-based life form. Because I'm thinking back to, and I, I'd have to find it, and maybe I'm remembering wrong. Um, but I'm thinking back to like when Stell's planet uh, was either destroyed or like all of his people were. Was it was it the the cyborg Superman thing? Didn't he take over his planet? And Stell got pretty pissed off at him, didn't he? Was that the last the last the Jor- You mean the Jorgens arc? No. Oh, you mean oh, oh you mean back when uh, back during when Ganth was a Green Lantern. Yes. That storyline. Yeah. I, I think I think so. I think you're. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure Cyborg Superman took over Stell's home world and either killed everybody or repurposed them or something. And Stell was pretty pissed off and worried about his people. That's not that's not a robot. That's a, that's a sentient being that happens to be made out of metal from a world of metal beings. Sure, he can fall apart and stuff, but the, who's to say that's not like a – I mean like a lizard can lose its leg or its arm and grow it back. You know, so like – you know, maybe this is just a part of their evolutionary process. So, like, just a different way of thinking about life. That's that's sort of my argument for it. I think, of course, you, like he is a robot. If you're just going to make it in simplistic terms, but I think he's just a different form of evolved life. I don't think if they've ever said like Stell was built by blah 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 because especially if you go with like the the Green Lantern not not sorry if you go with uh, Green Lanterns the series with Jessica and Simon wasn't the the mechanical lantern that was in that like isn't that one of the first yes one, one of the first one, lan- of the, one of the first seven lanterns or whatever I think you were right, correct one of the first lanterns thereby also an early 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 species within the universe because it's because Earth at the time is still is still in its beginning stages of life, and it's we're talking its first cycle of life. So the fact that that was still a machine-based life form back then, I mean, that's and that kind of says it all, I think. Um, let's see. <clears throat> HBO is getting a bunch of exclusive DC content. Does this render the DC Universe streaming service irrelevant? How do you feel about live action Green Lantern being locked behind an HBO paywall? Uh, since he's already talking about HBO, should I just ask these other ones too? Yes, I was actually thinking that. Okay. With HBO looking to bolster its catalog with more original DC content and a live action Green Lantern series coming, do you think this platform is our best shot at a return of the animated series? Is there any chance at all of the cartoon getting a revival of the live action show if if the live action is is successful if the live action show isn't successful well i thought i i thought he meant if it is successful i thought it was a typo but maybe he really meant it that way um it would seem odd it would seem odd to ask the question if it was if it wasn't successful because why would they bother then yeah if it fails uh let's go let me go with the first uh yeah, the DC Universe streaming service, I think almost everybody thinks that's dead, and it's going to be swallowed up by HBO Max. I think it's just a matter of time. There's no, And I think he's right. There's, there's really – I think it is irrelevant. I think there's – I think with, with HBO Max and Warner being behind that, I think it's only a matter of time before DC, the DC Universe content and everything just gets, gets swallowed up onto HBO Max. That would make sense. 
that will probably be the the first, uh, but not the last, of a lot of these streaming services that are going to go by the wayside. Um, Green Lantern being locked behind an HBO paywall, well, you can make, well, no matter how you slice it, unless it was going to be on regular TV, and even regular TV, for most part, you're going to have to either pay for it for cable or pay for direct TV or get it through a Fire Stick or a Roku. You make a case at this point, almost anything is going to, you're going to have to pay to be able to watch it. And whether it's on Netflix or whether it's on Amazon, Amazon Prime or uh, Disney Plus, you'd still be paying for the platform or the service. So I don't know. It's easier for me to say because as we found out when we talked about HBO Max, the fact that if you actually have HBO, you're supposed to get HBO Max for free. <laughs> so that makes it easier for me because I have H- I, I still have HBO. Now, how that works is another story because sometimes things always sound good and then you get to the practice of how it's going to work. But in theory, because I have HBO Max, I, HBO, I should be able, I'm supposed to be able to get HBO Max free, whether that's indefinitely or for the first year or whatever. We don't know. So, yes, it would not be cool. On one level, it's not cool the idea you have to pay pay just to get something, but that's how I feel about you know for Disney Plus for all the all the Marvel shows. I mean, I'm gonna have, when I get Disney Plus, it's mostly for the gonna be for the Marvel shows and 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 the movies and a lot of you know some of the other stuff. But that, those are gonna be it's mostly the Marvel stuff and some and Star Wars to a lesser extent. But then when the Obi Wan series comes on, that'll that'll be more of a driving force. So I I'm I want to watch Mandalorian, but so either way, I think you have to pay no matter what. But I, I so that it it doesn't bother. It surprises me a little. I think what he based maybe the real point of his question is, is is it a little surprising that that's going to be like an HBO Max platform as opposed to just being like regular HBO, or a regular or just your standard pay channel, not it not its deluxe streaming variant thereof. Yes, it would be better if it was just an HBO show, but nonetheless. Uh, I think there is a shot at the animated series coming back, especially once. Especially because they're looking for content, and once the the light, you know, the, the the DC streaming thing gets absorbed, I think there's a shot at the animated series coming back, which would be great if it came. I love that show, but I do think it, whether he meant to ask it this way or not, I think that's only possible if the if the if the live action show is successful. Yeah, I don't I don't see that. You can make a case they would say, oh, this works better as an animated, but I don't see why they would invest money. Plus, now you'd have if it fails, now you're going to have two stenches of failure. And Lord knows, as we've talked about ad nauseum, the fact that they've that they've spaced out the potential failure so much between each other that it's going to be really hard for them to go back to the well. Now, if they were had been smart and kept the animated series alive, then that would have helped offset a lot of the stench from the movie, and it would probably have paved the way. We might very well have gotten some kind of Green Lantern live content sooner because the animated series probably would have. Gr- have grown on people more and more but nonetheless so i think it could come back but only if the tv show is successful yeah i also think the dc universe app has to like absolutely roll over to hbo max in order for that to happen too because correct me if i'm wrong the current lineup or ideas for hbo hbo max has no like kitty stuff that's that's probably true yeah, so you'd have to have the DC Universe app move over with all of its content in terms of like the animated series and other cartoons and stuff like that, or just have HBO, you know, devote itself to expanding their their reach of content as well in order to say, 
Because it would just be weird if, like, that was the only kid content on there. Suddenly, just the Green Lantern animated series, but everything else is, you know, PG-13 or whatever. You know what I mean? That, that'd just be weird. Um, yeah. All right, what's the next question? The next question, which obviously, you, you, it's another one you did some research on, more than me. Uh, did any of you watch Gurren Lagan yet? It's a Green Lantern anime, you dorks. Why wait a year for HBO to deliver when Netflix says you covered right now? <laughs> So you've actually watched some of this or looked into it? Yeah, um, because of uh, because of Dan, he's got a he's got a YouTube episode. Uh, we'll try to remember to post the link for it uh, in the description. Uh, just kind of like basically, I think the title is something along the lines of "Why You Already Like Anime," um, and it's specifically geared towards like just geeks and comic fans, uh, and just kind of trying to kill the negative stereotype of anime. Uh, that some people have, uh, and Gurren Lagann is a, I don't, let's say maybe post, I've watched like, I think two episodes, three episodes. It's a, I think, I want to say post-apocalyptic, I could be wrong. These people are living underground, uh, and, you know, digging these tunnels and just, you know, kind of expanding their underground cities and stuff like that. And this kid digger runs across this um, kind of cone slash drill shaped necklace sort of uh, this little uh, thing that he puts on a necklace. Um, and then later on, he runs across this face in the ground and you put this, this uh, cone thing, cone drill shaped thing into a slot inside this mech face and it lights up, lights up this mech, and you can do all kinds of like just cool robot battle stuff and pilot this thing. But it starts failing on him when he needs it or whatever. And I am not yet at the point where they've actually explained this, but because Dan is, you know, pitching this as it's Green Lantern, it's Green Lantern, it's Green Lantern, but in anime form, obviously the the the, the idea here, and you can definitely see it in these first couple of episodes, is if you're already thinking about it in terms of Green Lantern. This kid clearly is doubting himself or not having enough willpower because that's when this mech fails him. So that's that's sort of the that's sort of the idea there. I've enjoyed it so far. I don't know that it's something I would want to continue. I'm not the biggest fan of like mechs and robot battles and stuff like that. Uh, I mean, obviously, earlier on the episode, I talked about Transformers. I mean, like, I never had that drive or interest. So, uh, I can, I'll, I'll definitely give it a couple of more episodes, but I think I'm like two or three episodes in. I think the last episode I watched, uh, he fought a mech that was made of like 12 different of these little beastie things and, uh, Dan will know what I'm talking about because clearly he's seen it. But uh, that, I think that was the, the third or fourth episode. I don't know. Um, but he's right. It's 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 got definitely got some Green Lantern tones. I'm assuming, given how passionate he's he is about this and, and saying it's a Green Lantern anime essentially, that it gets even more Green Lanterny as they go. But I don't know if it it's got enough uh, of a draw for me personally to continue watching it up until the point that it gets like full on green lantern, whenever that is supposed to be. If it's the next episode or two, like episode five or six, fantastic. But if it's like, Hey, towards the end of the first season, you're really just like it. The parallels are just insane. I don't know if I'm going to have enough scheme to get to the end of the first season. (laughs) 
I have not, not. That's not. That's not a, an admonition of its quality. It's just personal interest in mechs and robot fights and stuff. I have not had a chance to look at this yet. I will make. I will make a concerted effort, Dan, to at least give it a shot. Uh, I'm not a huge anime fan, but some things I'm, I at least have an interest in, or they catch my eye enough, like those Godzilla movies. Let the two Godzilla, but they've done the two so far, right? Three. That's, that's right. They did do the, th- the third one. The third one was the mech, was the, uh, but the Mecha Godzilla one, right? That was no. the last one. No, <laughs> that's right. Ghidra was the third. Ghidra was the third one. Mecha Godzilla was the, was the second one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Concerning, considering not a lot actually happens action-wise in most of these movies, it's amazing that I, I find them as – and the fact that, of course, that that it's – but they're all dubbed too, right? Yeah. Those are dubbed. Uh, but just generally speaking, they have not – anime is not really – that's not really my thing. But I will give it a shot to see if – because it is of the, the, the analogy, the tie-in, or the conceptually to Green Lantern, I'd give it a – I'd give it a shot. Now that we've seen a big chunk of Kelly's origin, what do you think of Teen Lantern? So I did do research on his most the, the, the past question. I didn't do it on this one. Am I reading Young Justice? Yes. Am I reading it issue by issue as <laughs> issue comes out? No. I'm letting them stack up and, and read through them a little bit at a clip. I have not yet read the Teen Lantern-focused issue that really makes her a bigger deal. It doesn't help that right around the time that came out, my SD card crashed, and I lost everything I had. So I'm in the process of rebuilding my digital comics library, and I haven't yet gotten to replacing and rereading through the issues of Young Justice I need to catch up on. I am reading it. I am excited to read it. I know even Jim really likes whatever happens here, but I personally haven't yet read it. Neither of yeah, neither neither of I. So this is this this is one of the few questions for another day for both of us that we'll have to give a more give a real answer to. Do you want to just do a review of the, maybe that issue? And we can talk in general about... Yeah, yeah we can okay. do that. Okay, cool. We'll do that. <clears throat> All right. Do your lukewarm feelings about some of Morrison's work on the main GL title make you more interested in, in or interested in slash excited for other books like Far Sector, Dark Multiverse, Blackest Night, or Green Lantern Legacy? Um, I could just be funny and say no. <laughs> uh, I was excited for, as, for, for uh, Tales of the Dark Multiverse, Blackest Night. I was not overly excited for Far Sector. I don't think there's a correlation. I think I think the only thing there'd be a correlation for would be if the solicits for these things sounded really good to me, and then I'd be interested in them regardless of what the main book was like, whether I liked it or didn't like it. So far, none of these things have really pumped me. Uh, did you see the solicits for the first issue of Season 2 of Green Lantern with the, with the Young Guardians? It's the... There's a uh, his last question is about uh, yeah I know but but that but that was but but I but I know but that but it wasn't about he wasn't asking about the specifics about the issue I'm just saying did you see the actual solicits of what that issue what what the what the young guardians no oh, oh god uh, 
But nonetheless, uh, no, I, my, my simplest answer to that question anyway is no. I don't think it makes me any more excited because I don't – other than for Blackest Night because the solicit made it look interesting and I like Blackest Night. Give me a solicit for something that I'm interested in and I'll be excited for, but I don't think it's dependent on my current – it'll make me more excited or less excited based on the current state of the regular Green Lantern book. I don't think it really – one relates to the other for me. Uh, I would agree with that. Um, the only way it would make me less interested uh, uh, in uh, in any new Green Lantern title is if the solicit read spinning out of Grant Morrison's you know Green Lantern run. Like if that was the solicit, I'd be like, yeah, probably not going to be excited for this one. But you know, I think <laughs> if, if, control, if, controller move the early years. <laughs> if uh, if they. Which isn't to say I, I like Morrison's run of shit or anything. It's just that you know it's it's got some high highs and some low lows, but um, or just some confusing lows. Um, <laughs> but um, but I just think I just think if anything, uh, a, a book you're not just particularly like just ravenously passionate about. If you're not like that with the current main ongoing series, and they're like, hey, some more new Lantern content is coming out. I think. It almost inherently just makes you maybe a little bit more excited in some way than you might usually might normally be. Um, but I don't, I don't know. It's, it's difficult to say because we're such specific fans. I think we're just excited in general. Anytime there's any new lantern content, no matter where it's coming from. Um, so yeah, short answer, but yeah. Um, DC comes to you with two options and I'm speaking of easy answers. Uh, <laughs> DC comes to you with two options and, and an absolute guarantee that the one you pick will get made, but the one you don't will never, ever happen. Do you have them resolve all of the hanging plot threads, threads from Lost Army or fix Larflees? Fix Larflees. Now, see, the, in, the interesting thing about this to me is when I first – when I actually first read this question to me, my initial thought was – Actually, the opposite, and this is the only reason why. Now, that's not my final. That's not my final answer, but my this was my initial thought that because there were so many interesting things in Lost Army, that it was a shame that we never got to see them explored. And Larflees, while he's not as dangerous or as a serious threat as he was, he's also not in the ultimate joke position that he was several years ago. So a case could be made where he's not as ba- as bad you know as bad of a badass as he was or should be, but he's in between, which means you don't necessarily have to fix him at times to make him to to write him that way. But ultimately, the reason why the answer for me is Larflees is because we know where Bun was going to go <laughs> with Lost Army. So technically speaking, not not all those questions were answered, but the majority of them were were answered. So it's not so, so it, not that it would probably ever keep me up at night. But if I was prone to being staying up alive at night wondering about all these cool things that we never got to see pay off, that we don't have to worry about that now because we we know not we there's a bunch of things you can make a case we don't know about or how it would have been resolved, but we do know a lot of the basic things that were left unanswered. We we knew what what the answers were going to be the important ones. So while it didn't give you all the answers, I still would probably say 
because we've we have that and we've discussed it on this show, I would say Larflees wins on that level for me by default. And and he is a more he is a better character and a more important character potentially if he gets used again by somebody who can do something decent with him. So based on the idea of what it means for future stories, in the big picture, it probably still points to to Larflees. Episode 328, folks, what might have been. Go listen to that if you want to know what Bun was going to do in the, the last six issues if he would have been able to continue things. What Bunny had in the oven, eh? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Uh, but um bum All right. All right. So let's do the the last big and arguably the last serious question of Dan's. Not the last question, but the last serious <laughs> Do you think the book's pro- – now, back to Far Sector. Do you think the book's protagonist, Lantern Joe Mullen, is really a, a Green Lantern? She shows up in this city on the edge of the universe. Everyone assumes she's the Green Lantern they requested, but her own internal monologue shows she doesn't even know basic information like what space sector she's in. She never uses a ring to gather information and is constantly seen walking places or getting a ride in a squad car. When asked about this specifically, she just says she didn't feel like flying. The few times she does use a ring, it's for very small things, and even then the constructs don't always come out right. Based on the last page, we see she can she can clearly she clearly can fly, but I still get a strong feeling she's lying to everyone. That's a pretty ominous flashback panel of her receiving the ring. I don't know who gave it to her or where it came from, but I think that ring is just good enough to let her pass as a Green Lantern and do something to slash in the city. It's too early to be sure, but that's where my head's at. So what do you think? Is Lantern Mullen what she says she is? Which was which are cool questions. One big one big overarching question, but that's something that I had never even considered because maybe because I'm not overly wrapped into the series yet, but just because the first issue is drops us in the middle so much. Maybe if we had seen more of her origin, but then again, depending on the story they're going to tell, maybe there's, there's there's a very specific reason we're not seeing her origin, and we're getting we're going to get it in piece in bits and pieces. I I'm just go ahead. you go for it. I think I think well, it's it's very clear because they haven't shown us that her origin's a secret. I think she's keeping the details of her receiving said ring a secret from people. Yes. Do I think there's anything sinister about it? Not on her end. Maybe a secret sinister motive on the person behalf of the person who gave her the ring. Um, but I just I don't get the feel of ill intent from Lantern Joe. Not yet. No, I would agree with that. I don't think I don't think. And based on some of the things we've heard about this book, it would kind of be odd with her as a protagonist. If that's the way they where they went, but that being said, moving that aside, I would say that I think that I hadn't thought about this possibility, but I do think there's it makes me want to go back and actually reread that issue. Maybe I'll reread issue one before we do issue two. It does raise the specter of of that of something being along the lines of future shock of that Green Lantern Corps, which was able to you know use harness enough energy. In a, you know, and channel it in enough way to make some basic, simple constructs where people thought they were Green Lanterns, but ultimately they really were not Green Lanterns the way we thought, the way we know Green Lanterns are. But of course, they were in the future where there were no Green Lanterns, so they were able to, you know, live off their reputation 
and, and of course running into the ground, but I mean they were able to live off the reputation of what Green Lantern's power sets were supposed to be. I think there's a possibility of that. I think we already know by the even in the interview in the back of the first issue that we that while she doesn't need to recharge her ring, which could be a, which also could be a, a, a red flag to why she also has some weaknesses in her ring that regular Green Lantern rings are not supposed to have or do not have. So, and I we pointed this out. It seems like it seems like three days ago, but this was earlier in this episode, right? But the her getting that ring in a box. That is kind of that is fishy. That is fishy. It sort of morphed around her, didn't it? It may have. That might be true. But it's also the shape of the ring. Remember, the the ring is very vine like by design. It's not. A, it's not. A, so, I think, and and plus, let's not overlook the fact that they kind of. It's like, oh, well, you're like one year. It's one year to make this work, or one year to see what you can do with this. So they put her on the clock right away. Whoever gave it to her put her on the clock right away. But we don't know why they put her on the clock. It's real easy to just read into it. Oh, uh, you know, we recruited you. We're not sure about you. We're going to give you a year to prove yourself, or else we. But maybe that's not. Maybe there's an, a, another reason, or the uh, not. Maybe there's just one reason that we be, and that's not what we think it is. Why she's only being given that ring for 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 a year? I don't. I so if I had to bet, I think the problem. I would say Dan probably is onto something. That there's probably. Something less guardian-like going on here, or there's something less straightforward about who her power set and where her ring really came from. But I would tend to also agree with you that I don't think she has malicious intent in what she's doing. But like you like like you hinted at, that could also change if we see more a little more a little more uh, suspicious things pop up in the next few issues. Then maybe. Maybe that might change our opinions, but that's that's kind of how I view it. Yeah. All right. Last question. Last question. All right. Let's see here. Um, it was just announced that Morrison's The Green Lantern season two, number one, is coming out in February. With season one, number one, Black Stars, number one, and the Green Lantern Annual, number one, this makes the fourth number one issue of the Morrison run in about a year and a half. How many more first issues do you think the Morrison run will contain, and will DC collect all of them in a trade called the Green Lantern Grant Morrison is number one? See, if he just said the Grant Morrison's number Grant Morrison's number ones, then I would that, then that actually. Maybe sadly that actually could happen. <laughs> if they were just collecting all all Grant Morrison's Green Lantern number one issues, which would be, an, but you would think well maybe because there haven't been that many writers that have stuck around for that many number one issues with the same title or the same character. You would you would think that actually would be something they would have put put in the trade. That is not the worst idea. How many more number one issues do we think we're going to have? Well, if you follow this pattern, which it, it is kind of depressing that they are going back and doing. This season, I hate to, I pet peeve again. See the season bullshit. The fact that they're even putting it into the title now is even more annoying than just calling it that behind the scenes. Well, that would seemingly indicate if we get an annual this year, it'll be season two annual number one. So I guess we I would at least have to say we're going to get at least one more number one issue. And then the question is, do we really think Grant Morrison is going to stick around for a third year of this book? I think he's definitely not sticking around for a fourth. I think there's potential for a third. I don't see a fourth season of Grant Morrison. 
See, I don't know what Grant. I don't know enough about Morrison's runs on books to know what his track record is for how long. He, if there is a track, any consistent track record for how long he stays. So I will admit to being in the dark about that. I would t- I would tend to agree with you. You are correct on this, or your vibe is right, because my initial thoughts were. I can't rule out season three. I'm not sure about season three, but based on the way you framed it, too, I would say yeah. Season four, I would definitely. His fourth year writing the book, I don't think there would be a fourth year. I think he might stick. Ar- he might stick around for a third. I think, which, regardless of whether we you end up liking his run or not, you have to give him credit. But for a character, for a character and how Jordan that he really gave three pounds of monkey crap about for most of his seemingly. Most of his career at DC, the fact that he could stick around and do three years worth of books, including more than three years, more than three years worth, assuming we get twelve years, assuming if if he stuck around for actually three full years, which means twelve issues in each year, in each season, quote unquote, along with the annuals and then the Dark Stars mini thing, the, the Black Stars mini, that yeah, if you that's probably more than most people would have thought. I mean, people didn't necessarily think he was going to stick around for one year, more than one year on this book. So I would say that would be a, that would be impressive, whether whether you like the run or not. The fact that he did it because that would mean he had an idea and he found something interesting enough in the character and the in the world, the universe. <sighs> Excuse me, of that character to go forward. But if I had to bet money, I would probably say maybe. See, we, uh, see, it's hard to say. It's hard to handicap it because we have no idea what what the second second season of the book is going to be about yet. Really, if we knew it and we know got into it a little bit more, then we maybe maybe could see. Do we think it's a natural jumping off point where he could he could end he could end his run by ending the story he wants to tell relatively easily for Morrison or easily, and then. Wherever DC wants to go with, with the next writer and the next version, it's it's fine. I maybe he seems to be enjoying what he's doing on this so far. So I'm going to say maybe there's like a 65 percent chance he comes back for the for, for a third year on the book. But I doubt. But I agree with you. If I had to bet money, I'd bet against. I'd bet heavily against him coming back for a fourth. So that makes five number ones more. So that's going to be. So he's counting. Uh, season two, number one, as the fourth number one. So how many more? So, we, so, so the annual. We have the annual. And then we would have whatever, whatever the interstitial three issues or whatever he's going to do between season two and season three, if he does that. If he, yeah, if he does it again. We don't necessarily know if he will. Season three annual and season three's first issue. I, That's six, think, right? That'd be six. That'd be at least six, maybe seven if he does if he does another mini in between yeah so that is a lot and i and it's a hell of a lot in the short in a in a short th- i mean this is really taking the whole number one issue bs to 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 another level i mean it, it's kind of surprising on one level it's taken them this long to do this the idea that hey you know every single year let's treat this like a tv show so now we can we we alter the title slightly which means then we can get a new number one issue I I don't. I'm out of. I've never been a fan of this. I know they do it. It's a money grab. We know number one issues always sell, just like number two issues drop like a rock. Even for a book that's going to do really well, it drops like a rock. But the, 
I just wish they'd just be consistent across the board because they want the best of both worlds. They want all these number one issues, and then they want to go back when the, when it's convenient to renumber the book. Issue 899 is we're about to hit our 900, 900th issue. It's like, well, yeah, you would have hit your 900th issue if you hadn't fucked up all the numbering all these years, and and now you got to and now you got to pull this number out of your butt because now you got to fig- figure out all the number numbered issues you've had, and any, you know, all it's it's so questionable at that point how how you even come about it because you change titles, you know, and I don't know. So yeah, I, but uh, answering Dan's probably not serious question seriously. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a slim chance we could get a trade paperback all of Grant Morrison's Green Lantern number one issues. There'll be enough material. <laughs> All right, so thank you, Daxton, um, Jesse, uh, Quatagama, Martin, Dow, Juan Carlos, Shane, Paco, Juan Carlos, Dan. Thanks, guys, for writing in and giving us all this content for this extra long episode. Hey, uh, we said it would be as long as your questions were, and uh, that's what we did. So, uh, Mark, if uh, people want to, if any of these guys want to ask follow up questions or if they, Anybody has any other stuff they want to ask us? What's the best way to reach out to us? Hey, you know, before I do that, this is not for you, but for uh, for me, this is like a two-day episode now. Because <laughs> we started at nine o'clock Eastern, nine o'clock Eastern, and now it's over. Now it's like almost twelve thirty <laughs> on, on Thanksgiving morning. So, so this we 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 love you fans so much. I I've recorded for two days, <laughs> two days straight. <laughs> we never quit. Uh, lanterncast at gmail.com the website is lanterncast.com voicemail is 708 lantern those are the best ways to get in touch with us uh, we are an Apple podcast and Stitcher so please leave us positive reviews on whichever platforms you listen to us on and last but not least Twitter and Facebook so you can use hashtag GLcast to locate us on either of those alright guys happy Thanksgiving and we'll talk to you later good night everybody good night